What's up, y'all? It's Trey Chaney. Y'all know me as Pooh from the HBO series The Wire. You know me as Kendrick on Bounce TV's hit show Saints and Sinners. Of course, you know me as Preston Mitchell in the hit comedy Thanksgiving Roast. And now you're getting ready to see me as Gordon Hawk, a police officer on HBO's We Own This City. But right now, I ain't just hitting you below the belt. I'm on Below the Belt Show. The Below the Belt Show is closed caption for the hearing impaired. It is now time for the bad boys of Baltimore. Pips up. Goes down. right it's time for another episode of btb below the belt in the mother effing house i'm your host al soda aka celebrity soda your host with the most here for your weekly pleasure we're still bringing it strong guys we have an amazing show for you guys from top to bottom we'd love to start by introducing our panel and what a special panel that we have today as everybody on the panel uh has has appeared on HBO's We Own the City, which um, was uh, is an incredible show based on a true story, um, a book from Justin Fenton, and um, by the creative minds behind The Wire, David Simon, George Pelicanos. Um, and we have some great local talent based in the DMV, DC, Maryland, Virginia area, that's joining us today. Let's go ahead and start by, it's actually been a minute since she's been on BTB Airwaves. Um, she is actress extraordinaire, filmmaker, screenwriter, stunts, motorcycles. She does it all. <laughs> Glass making. <laughs> Don Elias Douglas back on BTB. What's up, Don? Hey, what's going on? What's going on? Good to have you. How's everybody? Everybody's great, I think. Let's go check on everyone else on the panel. Another familiar voice on BTB. Law enforcement officer turned turned actor, right? Right? Uh, Yeah, that's it. uh, He's the one and only Victor Dobro. Can you hear me? How's my audio? Yeah, we can hear you. Oh, (laughs) Technology is a doozy. Right. Good to have you back on BTB, Victor. Um, you're joining us from your hotel room, yes? Yes, I was just you, I just got in, just checked in, just jumped on the Wi-Fi just now. Wow. Um, it, the timing uh, was impeccable. Yeah, I went from fitting, uh, fitting in DC on a on a SAG project uh, mm-hmm. film to uh, straight to New Jersey for a uh, uh, commercial uh, print job. 
So that's exciting. <laughs> All right. We have a couple more people on the panel that we'd like to introduce. Uh, two great actors. Um, first, we have actor Mike Sutton joining us, um, who uh, has a, a long list of amazing projects. Um, and, of course, we have also um, actor and stunt specialist LeVar Lewis joining us as well. LeVar, thanks for joining us here on BTB. Hey, 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 can you guys hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Yep. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Yes. Hey, welcome. So, uh, yeah, th this panel is very special because the four of you have been featured on We Own This City, uh, which is uh, an amazing show shot in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, where many of us are from. If not, we're not too far from Baltimore. Um, love to start by just introducing yourself and the character that you portray in we own the city let's start with lavar whoa uh, start with the new guy all right what's up guys my name is uh, lavar lewis jr uh i started off in this industry as a stand-in in a movie called charm city kings for jai winston aka mouse in the movie charm city kings uh, after that, I uh, I actually got some opportunities in the stunt world. Uh, I got I, I landed a job in a show on Hulu called The Wu Tang: An American Saga, where oh, I yeah. got pushed out of a wheelchair. It was actually real fun. And after that, um, I didn't find any work at all. I think that was like a, a good three year span where I just didn't have work. And then I get a, a deadline report that uh, that. Uh, show was coming to Baltimore and it was We on the City and that's pretty much that was pretty much the point where I realized I needed to join SAG because uh, I didn't want to miss out on that opportunity to be a part of this so that was pretty much it so I joined SAG and I did some background work and it's pretty interesting interesting story how how my part came about on We on the City I Yes, after one day of leaving my uh yeah okay sure all right so one day after leaving my uh my background job i mean work on we on the city i run into a, a stunt guy named dylan hints uh, we have a lot in common he actually does stunts also he's a stunt trainer i think don actually knows him um cool guy I know and too. Yeah. He invites, yeah oh okay cool nice nice so i tell him my story and everything everything i come from where i come from i do stunts also so he invites me to one of his uh, his training sessions at the uh, DC Stunt Coalition, and I did some stunt I did some stunt demos around that time, and I sent them to my stunt mentor Kevin Rogers, who was the stunt coordinator for Charm City Kings, and he was really impressed about the uh, the, the things that I was doing in the demo, and he sent them out to the stunt coordinator for We on the City, Robbie Smith. And I guess he, uh, they needed me, and Robbie Smith emailed me and said they needed a part for a scene with with John and, and a couple of cops. They need to they need to rough you up. So, and that's pretty much how it came apart. It's it was definitely a long time coming for me to get some on screen time. So I'm really thankful for it. And sometimes I do feel like I'm not I'm not worthy of these moments sometimes because I still have so much to learn in this industry when it comes to stunts, acting, everything. So that's pretty much my story. So I'm just really grateful for the opportunities wow. that I'm getting so far. 
Well, congratulations, man. That that's awesome, man. And Thank you. and Vic, Victor Dobro, very similar uh, situation in some ways, because uh, you had the mentioned I'm, the, the I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Well, you scenario. you are you're yeah. new to the <laughs> acting world. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people a lot of people work many 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 years to try to get their first yeah. uh, co-star on a no, major I show. Right. Uh, that brings uh, up a good point because that, a lot of actors they I hear they go through that they have this like, uh, am I worthy? Should I even be here? Uh, like complex, but other people tell you, no, put, you got to push through that, the negative self-talk, you know, I, it hits us all. I've, I've reminded myself like, like, um, doubting yourself and your skills and not being confident, like is detrimental definitely to like performance and, and stuff. But mm -hmm. I'm sure Mike and, and other people, uh, can explain that too. I mean, yeah. you gotta have confidence, right, Mike? <laughs> Absolutely. You gotta believe in yourself or no one will believe in you. Yes. Yeah. And before we get uh, to the rest of the We Own the City cast, I'd like to introduce uh, my co-host extraordinaire. He is the uh, <laughs> the one and only, the last Numenorian, one true knight, and I'm missing one more, uh, <laughs> one more of his catchphrases. The once and future king. The you left out Arthurian legend. That's right. The once and future king, also actor extraordinaire Martin Lopez, joining us on the panel. Good to see all of y'all. Apparently, I'm the only actor in Baltimore not, and we own the city. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, we are happy, happy to have you on. Um, but uh, we were, I think we we're just getting the Mike Sutton, um, and you were talking about uh, your little tips. But uh, tell us about the audition process for you. And you have quite a, a, a nice pivotal role in We Own the City, don't you? I was very fortunate. Yeah, I actually auditioned for um, one of the recurring roles and uh, my agent told me I got put on a short list for other roles. I didn't get the role that I auditioned for. And then they came back to me maybe uh, two weeks later and asked me to uh, audition for Rod Rosenstein, who is the uh, U.S. District Attorney. Uh, that comes in and basically does the press conference that talks about the fact that the uh, police officers from the gun trace task force have uh, been arrested and charged on racketeering uh, charges. Wow. So you you get the part. Um, and how, how do you feel? Uh, what's going on through your head? Uh, so I, number one, I felt very blessed. Uh, I've, I've only had uh, one co-star role previously that was on uh, House of Cards. Uh, and I've auditioned for, I don't know, 40 at this point, some number like that between, uh, mostly in Philadelphia roles. Uh, but it was nice to kind of get on the radar for this one. And uh, I've uh, auditioned for Pat Moran many times in the past. And my agent, Pat York's at Agency Connects in the Philadelphia area. Uh, they have a relationship. And uh, uh, so I was uh, submitted by her. Uh, they asked me to uh, submit a, a video audition uh, which uh, they shortlisted me and asked me on a callback. Uh, I did a callback with the director and uh, Pat and uh, one of the assistants read with me and uh, they, uh, I was fortunate enough to book it off of that uh, video audition. Nice. Isn't it great when you just book directly from video? It was wonderful. I was sitting here in my bunny slippers and uh, <laughs> didn't have to go all the way down to Baltimore and get all nervous. Just, you know, got ready, got my stuff together, set myself up and went, which was nice. Awesome. From your, uh, from your perspective, is it sometimes more frustrating to get waitlisted rather than just a blanket no? Because then they feed you that carrot of hope and you're sitting there waiting for the call. 
So here's the deal. Uh, my agent, my agent never told me I was waitlisted because she doesn't want to do that. And she said, when I got this role, she said, I didn't want to tell you before, but you were, you were uh, put on a short list or waitlist or whatever you want to call it. So uh, I, I guess in one way, I wish I would have known that uh, since I did end up getting a role, but if I didn't get a role, maybe it, it's better that I didn't know. Right. Right. Wow. Don Elias Douglas, uh, you're seen uh, towards the beginning of the, the premiere episode. Uh, tell us about your audition, <laughs> your audition process. And um, from there, let's also talk about your experience on set because it's a very fast moving, very crazy scene. Okay. So I was hired to do stand in on a show. Okay, so I'm standing in on a show. Um, and I get a email from, no, I got a text from Robbie Smith about submission because Rick Kane's, um, recommended me for the, for the thing. Great and I'm actor like, and stuff in the area. Yep. Yep. And I'm like, Robbie Smith, dude, I'm on set right now. Why do I need to do this? Come on. So, you know, I text him and I talked to, um, um, Booth, which uh, Jason Booth, who was the first, second AD on the show. I'm like, Booth, talk to Robbie. Anyway, so I talked to, um, I had an audition, and Kat, she was the other standing on the show. She, I'm like, Kat, I need an audition for this thing. I don't know why. I, I mean, I'm right here. So I did the thing um, right on set, on off of set, because on set they would have kicked me off but while we were holding uh cat and i we did she did the audition for me taped it for me and i sent it off okay i forget about it i'm on set we're on um, what 25th street and i get a text saying that uh, a, a california number and it said i booked a booked a job and i'm looking at the number i'm like who the hell is this and then I realized, oh, it was suspended. And I'm like, Wait! I couldn't, I couldn't like scream out loud because I was <laughs> filming downstairs. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God, that's so, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And um, um, so once we had a break, I went downstairs, Robbie was outside. And I'm like, Robbie, dude, finally we get to meet. You know, so it was fun. Um, and I get to say that the Punisher broke my foot. No. How many actors can see? No, I do what? remember that. I what do you expect from that? the Punisher? I mean, that's that's his mo. He hurts people. Uh, well, you're gonna have to elaborate clearly. But obviously, John Bernthal plays the Punisher, and of course, is uh, Jenkins, yeah. Jenkins, and uh, we own the city. Yeah. But please elaborate, Don. We need to so, know the story. So Lavar and I are in the same scene, and um, John has to yank me out the house. I have two lines, two scripted lines, and I threw in another. I threw in an unscripted line. <laughs> Good <laughs> job. <laughs> and we did several takes, and um, I landed wrong. Um, on a couple of takes, my right foot turned, so that almost sprained, but it was my left foot. And 
I landed, my, I stepped down wrong and my foot twisted a little bit. So I had a combination of like a sprain with a chip fracture. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So you hurt so, both um, feet. Yeah, but it was left out. <laughs> the main but this is an injury you're kind of um, happy about because it's it, it's from John Bernthal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and, and um, yeah, when I went down, they like the director um thought that I was playing. He said, "Oh, I thought you were playing. Why would I play about being hurt? No, dude." <laughs> um, but it was good. It was fun. Um, the next day, when I went to go to work, back to my standing gig, um, I couldn't stand up. Oh. And I'm like, crap, I no got to work. Put my boots back on. You literally could not stand in, work. literally. It's got to be a sit-in. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. That means something different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I got to set the next day. Maggie, the first AD, she saw me limping everything. She's like, are you okay? Do you want to go to the doctor? I'm like, no, I'll be fine. Half hour later, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to the doctor to get it checked mm. out. And it turned out it was a chip fracture. Mm. And um, so the next time I showed up, um, John was coming to set, and I looked at him, and I pointed to the boot that I was wearing, and he's like, "No!" Oh, like, he felt Dude. he felt bad, huh? Yeah. <laughs> he felt so bad. <laughs> but but it was but it was okay. It was it's all right. Well, yeah, you're working. The episode did air, and I gotta admit, Don, you did an amazing job, and uh, it was great. Yeah, yeah you, you had the cornrows going on. Um, yeah, you were getting <laughs> pushed out of some type of bro home um, unceremoniously, uh, unbeknownst to your desires. Yep. Um, but yeah, my, uh, my, my, my unscripted time was shit. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely nailed it, Don Douglas. That is amazing. Victor Dobro, um, yeah. pretty much it's art imitating life for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I'm, it's awesome that you got the unscripted line in because I was able to get one in too. And it, when I the first watched it at the screening, I didn't hear it, so I was like, oh, they they cut out what I added. But um, when we can't, when I get the, uh, are we doing spoilers? I mean, I well, guess we yeah, don't, you know, hit, hit us with the addition. Hit episode, us with the addition. Episode one already aired. That's technically a spoiler. Watch it. But anyway, but I found I found the gun uh, after we went, and, and I said, look, uh, because they're already handcuffing the bad guy. And he's bitching and moaning about being pulled over and arrested. And, and everyone's kind of talking really quick all at the same time. And I was politely letting him know, like, I have to let everyone know I found the gun for us to be, like, handcuffing the guy or, or for it to make sense. So because they're like, hey, is this yours? Yeah, it's your gun. And, like, I haven't shown it to anybody. So I was like, I grab the gun really quick and I just say bingo. I mean, there's th different things we can say. Like, we can use 10 code terminology that real cops use. But I basically show it to the camera and I say, I say, bingo. And the first time we were at the screen, screen, uh, screening together, I didn't see it. I was like, oh, man, they cut it. Or I'm not even in the first part of the traffic stop. But then you actually do see me. You hear it. So they may have changed it with ADR. They may have, like, played it really quick and as I'm walking away. But you hear me say, bingo. I got the gun. I'm bagging it. And then I join the conversation with uh, Gondu and Ray M. But, yeah, it's, it's basically what I – did for the living for the past 24 years so they're like just just like yeah. act like you're just act like you're doing it for real so like i i could do that it's just uh no no problem at all <laughs> but it was, it was awesome great time 
that's the thing. I mean, you really have that skill set, Victor, of, <laughs> of policing, of, of knowing the, the, the movements, everything, you know, you know, having to arrest somebody and, have, well, you know, yeah, all, everything that is involved. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Chris Anderson, he plays Deputy Chief Palmieri. He did a great job. He's got lots of lines. He's in, mm-hmm. I, I think, almost every episode. And he's a real, real officer and he's not a supervisor. So he doesn't normally wear that white supervisor shirt, but he really uh, portrayed being like a high ranking official talking with interacting with, uh, you know, Wayne Jenkins did a great job. And it's funny because at my job, I usually wear the white shirt and I'm a supervisor. But on the show, I play just like a patrol, you know, officer detective. So but it's cool either way. Like if you're able to. <laughs> age up or age down or change your rank like i don't think the audience really knows i have a sneaking suspicion that almost every profession can imitate the rank just above them very well oh yeah yeah yeah. like like you whoever your middle management supervisor is like i know exactly who that guy is i got him i got him right here (laughs) no it's good like man like um chris chris did a great great job you know he he he's humble but um i mean they have other officers on set too i mean uh andre severino was the official um, um, you know, police consulted, and he was in that that unit uh, before, after that time, and um, you know, I worked liked working with him and talking with him. He, he's a he's a great guy, you know. So as far as actual officers, oh, and then my friend that I used to be on the SWAT team with, I got him as in as a background role. Okay. So his name his name's Jay Choi, and he's a featured background actor, which I know is a controversial term because they said there's no such thing as feature, but <laughs> oh, that's clear- such a thing. Yeah, I mean, he's clearly visible in the middle of the camera frame. And I went back and when I watched it the second time, it sounded like they did ADR, uh, like voice for him. Um, but he's a real tall, handsome Asian guy. And uh, he was pretty excited. And of course, I saw the screen so I could tell him before he saw it, like, like, yeah, you're, you're, you're featured. And that's the best you could ask for really as a background actor. So I got I got him him on. So. Um, so it's, there's at least three cops there, but you know they, I'm sure they have a lot of other um, uh, background actors that m- may be cops too as well. Yeah. So if you guys are officers, also. sorry. If you guys are officers that are also professional say. actors, do you think they like? Do they ask you to take the stand a little bit more often because you can really develop? <laughs> you can you can deliver solid evidence for the stand. Like, all right, here's what we got. You give it to the jury. <laughs> Oh, oh like my the real job? The real job. If you have oh, both yeah. jobs, that, that's a double skill set. <laughs> yeah, no, well, it's funny you say that because, I mean, it's uh, it, getting into police terminology and tactics and stuff. There's things called ruse where you may be saying one thing. But, you know, uh, by law, like detectives can lie to people when they interview them. Uh, there's, there's like some, I did not uh, know that. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's some old wives tale that says, oh, you know, like if you're an undercover detective, all you have to do is ask them if they're undercover and they have to tell you. Yeah, like or it's entrapment, right? No, but that's not true. <laughs> totally but, not you know, true. <laughs> yeah, but I can, I can, I can lie and say, you know, we, we cover fingerprints on the scene. So are you sure you don't want to come clean and tell us the truth now? Okay, yes, I did it. And then you're like, aha, I got you. You know, no, we don't have evidence. There's no way we can run prints that fast. So like there are things in that. So you can call that acting or just other people call it lying. But uh, the Supreme Court says we can do it and, and we're not entrapping or anything. But we're just saying, hey, you know, you we, we, you didn't know you didn't realize we had cameras in that street. Right. And then so somebody's going to confess thinking we we have evidence that they don't know that we don't have. Does that make sense? Totally. I'm not sure there's a difference between. So? Being an actor and a professional liar, I mean, kind of, that's kind of what we do. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying. So in, in ancient Greece, actors were not lo- allowed to testify because they were considered professional oh, liars. 
I love awesome. that. Oh, wow. That makes sense. That's really good fact. That makes sense. Don, Wait, your wheels were turning. The, uh... <laughs> we make it. Don, hey, your wheels got... were turning. Yeah, You're about there... to say something. Yeah, there was, um, when they were later on in the show, there was um, where Jenkins has to meet up with everybody else. And I'm like reading the, the, the sides and stuff because I used to do dispatch and um, police dispatch in Montgomery County oh. years ago. And the terminology was wrong and everything because I'm like, I went to, um, I'm like, hey, he's got to know where he's going. So he's got to ask where he else you know, at Georgia Park, you know what I mean? It's like, there's so many interests. He's kind of where he's going. So dispatch has to let them know, let him know exactly where everybody is. And pretty much like, this is wrong. <laughs> he's got to know where he's going, where, you know, all this other stuff. So they made right. some changes to that. So I'm like, right. that's all my little technical input. Right <laughs> on. Dispatch. Nice. Well, what are your, yeah. what was everyone's uh, overall thought on the first episode? Mike, I thought it was great. <laughs> I Mike? was just too busy looking at myself. I'm like, oh my god, I made the screen. <laughs> oh my god, my name's Yes. Hey, Al, <laughs> Al, we gotta go. We gotta go in order because this is like improv without uh, any script. So every, all six of us either aren't gonna say anything, or we're all gonna talk at the same time. It's been my experience. Okay. Well, Lavar, Lavar, you said it was great. You want to elaborate on why it was great for you? I feel like it was different. I feel like from what I, I don't want to. I mean, I guess we're spoiling it here. From from what I've seen from the ending, when Jenkins get caught up. I feel like that was something that we usually, if we were seeing a different TV show that would happen in the finale. And I thought right. that was really interesting that we saw that happening in the beginning sequence, where he gets right? caught. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought that they were going to go a different direction where we were going to see the whole journey and then he gets caught. In real but, time almost. Yeah. yeah. But I think that was different. It shows the difference that 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 David Simon and his, and his crew does. I, it's just a different level, man. I, I really interested in the story too. I like that book too. I, I ordered it off Amazon. I'm about to read that hard copy. I watched the slow burn at least when, with my dad. I think a month ago. It was really, really interesting. And I'm really interested in this in this story. Besides the part of seeing myself also, but I am interested to see how how this ends. Like how I, I he he goes over the top a lot. And I, I really I respect that a lot. So I wonder. What he does for this the shooter story also I wonder is it in a respectable way also because I'm obviously what happened was a very a tragedy and everything but I just wonder how they shot that and everything so I was on set the entire time also so I was also interested in how the end where do I I kind of know how it ends yeah that was just my take on it. This is a different start because it felt like it was the finale, but it was like, damn, this yeah. is getting started. He just got caught. Like, <laughs> yeah. Don, Don I love John. I, your wheels are turning, Don. I'm oh, sorry. For, for me, because I stood in, I was too distracted with knowing what happened, what was going on during that scene in the background because I'm standing in. So, oh, yeah, that happened that day. So, da, 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 da. so 
I had that going on for me because um, it, it was just that distraction for me. Um, I know how I turned out. Because you're there every day say. almost, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and I got to talk with one of the um, police officers um, who was um, doing security, and he told me what happened with Suter. So I'm like, oh. Well, the thing is, is if you yeah. read the book and it's based on the true stories, it, you know, we kind of already know what's going to happen, right? And I think that's maybe why they decided yeah. to go out of sequence to show the arrest of Jenkins, uh, John Bernthal's character, um, because we, we know that they eventually get caught. Um, but maybe that was the reason for the maybe out-of-sequence storytelling, perhaps. Um, Mike, well, it could also just be unifying the audience, right? If, if mm-hmm. you have a certain part of the population that's very well aware of the tale and new viewers that wouldn't be, a very easy way to bring them in is to invert it like that, and then everybody starts from the same basis point, and you can tell the tale from there moving forward. Yeah. And Victor, because um, I just remembered, Mike, you have not seen the episode yet, but Victor, overall, <laughs> what, were, what were your thoughts on the episode? Um, I, th- I I think it was great. I mean, to me, it is The Wire Reloaded. Um, I, I Everything, I like everything about it. The writing, you know, what's really good is the ADR, uh, the, the, you know, the sounds of the radio chirping in the background, the dogs barking as, yeah. as cops are, are skirting up uh, to a house. Like none of that is there when we're when we're delivering our lines and stuff. So um, a typical style of the wire. And it's a, I was a huge fan. I mean, it's like it's like a, being a, a fan of a, of a series, which you think might be one of the best ever. And then now all of a sudden you're in in that world. So I, it's funny because my one complaint, I don't I don't want to blame the hair and hair and makeup department because they did an awesome job with everything. <laughs> I just think it's weird how or funny how how they styled uh, John's hair. Because uh, he's got like a what do you call it? I would have told Janice. Yeah, no, no, I know. Looks like they, John Cena. They did it on purpose, but like his hair flowing down, and then his 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 uh uniform is kind of sloppy. But they said he watched hours and hours uh, of of body worn camera footage, and they know what this they know what all those guys wore, how right. they dressed. Um, so it may not be like beautiful for for camera, it, but it's more realistic. And he does have like a shorter, high and tight. And he looks squared away, you know, when he's talking to the academy, uh, you know, when he's dressed up in long sleeves, he looks really sharp. Um, but then you see him like in baggy pants and like, you know, loose uh, shoelace Timberland. So that's my only complaint is like kind of how they styled his hair. So that's really <laughs> not a complaint at all. I mean, I like everything, everything about the series. It, it was great. Yeah. And for those actors on the panel that um, were based on actual people um did you study or you know try to see any actual video footage of the individuals to try to get um get their persona yes mike mike mike's got that yeah, yeah. Mike. Uh, so the guy i'm uh portraying is uh kind of well known he was a district attorney from the um mid-atlantic region and then he was u.s district attorney for i think like a week under trump and what was interesting about him for me is that he had a very um uh, distinct way of speaking. And the actual press conference that I did was uh, televised and recorded. And they did a truncated version of uh, his press conference when I delivered the, the my lines. So I was able to study it. And um, 
my acting instructor said, you probably don't want to imitate him, but you want to take on his essence, uh, you know, on a scale of one to 10, you want to be at a seven, a seven and a half. And he had a very staccato way of speaking. So I emulated that when I spoke in the, in my audition and in the final cut. And uh, since the director didn't give me any, uh, yeah, he didn't give me any notes. And normally when the director doesn't talk yeah. to you, it means just yeah. keep doing what you're doing. And so, That's awesome. I, yeah. Oh, we can't wait for your episode. Episode number five. Hey, I can. Today, I can uh, Mike is a great, great actor. I don't for the for the audience at home, they don't realize like a lot of us have worked on projects together. I mean, me and Lavar were we're, stu were stunt training partners at my first and only time at stunt school. I mean, me and Mike worked together uh, um, on uh, Talons of the Phoenix uh, with, with our boy Vince. So a lot of us have worked together, and I can tell you, uh, like I'm in awe when I work when I get to work with with talent. Uh, like Mike and and Vince and, and it's and it's awesome and then seeing Lavar on the on that big screen it, it's just great. I just had to put that in there. I just, I got I got to plug you guys because all of you have talent and 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 the scenes that I, that I saw um, and working with you guys is just it's just awesome to be a part of part of these projects together is is just great. Yeah, you got to do it because even in a little scene, viewers don't know how much work goes into it, how hard you got to work. Even just, you know, you get 12 seconds on the screen and you're killing yourself for like 10 yeah. hours on set oh, that day just yeah. to get that right. Yeah. So right. kudos yeah. to you for plugging the people. Uh, Mike, I had a yeah. quick question for you. Uh, you're right. The director doesn't say any notes. You're doing a job. Did they give you any notes? Like, were they concerned about the way the guy moved or, or other type of uh, presence? Or did they just they cut you loose and let you go with it? Uh, they gave me zero. Uh, and before I started, a guy said, do what you did in the audition. So I just did what I did in the audition. And again, it was, uh, 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 I tried to get the essence of the guy. Uh, his his voice was a little higher than mine. So I tried to operate up here with that staccato. And when he said gun trace task force, he kind of overly articulated. <laughs> ah. And so I, again, I just try to emulate that as much as possible without trying to do it, just a straight up imitation of it, which kind of comes off a little cheesy from my perspective, if you do it that way. I got, I got, I got to add something though. Like yeah. Mike did a good job. Um, I'm not going to give too much away, but trying to emulate, um, but you can't, you can't be the person, but you can be close. Like I tell you, like as my character, like if he was balding and had a goatee, and actually in the script, it says like, you know, approaching and he's got, you know, goatee or whatever. But I'm like, uh, I can try to grow a goatee in four days, but I, it's not going to work. So like I, re I really wasn't cast because I looked just like this guy. Um, um, but my surprise uh, didn't put one on you. I, I mean, yeah, I know they could have. But, yeah. uh, but Mike, Mike did a good job, um, you know, because they say when you do auditions, try to look, look, look the part, look the person, uh, you know, try to look the role. Exactly. Um, and I'm hearing that more and more. It's kind of like an industry secret uh, really is, is it's what you wear is kind of important in these taped auditions. And I hundred percent. And if you have the talent and you can deliver and you look like uh, this person. I mean, I just I had a long conversation uh, with this actress that played the uh, the mayor. Uh, was it Rawlings Rawlings Blake? And she looks, uh, she, yes. looks she looks nothing like her, but with hair yeah, and makeup, Blake, I think yeah. contacts. Yeah. And then, but her delivery and her 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 essence. I told her she stole the scene uh, as as the yeah, mayor. She, about Paige. Yeah, Paige. I, I spoke. Paige. I literally spoke Paige. to her. Where I was texting her back and forth for the last two hours. I was just really just complimenting her. <laughs> How great she yeah. did. But yeah, I mean, if you, I, I, if you yeah, looked the part. For, for her. Yeah. 
if you look the part and you have the talent, it's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, uh, I was I had this page for a while, and when I saw her on the screen, and I'm like, oh my god, that's Paige. I mean, she killed that scene. Yeah. I'm definitely. like, just for her lines, I'm like, wow. <laughs> that's amazing, Victor. You're a character of John Cluel. Um, now, did you have anything similar that Mike did as far as studying the mannerisms? And no, it's it's actual you know, it's person. Just, it's tough, you know, like I'm still new to this industry, but and it's the first time I've played like a, a real person, I, I guess you, you can say. So mm -hmm. I was kind of weird about it, but I'm like, look, I'm a real cop. He was a real cop. I, he shouldn't be too upset. He may not like want to be portrayed. Um, so I was thinking, well, maybe I can reach out to him. I mean, this is what actors do, right? Like it's common oh, yeah. courtesy or I mean, so I, I tried to do a little bit of digging, but I didn't try too hard because um you know, I didn't want to step on any toes, but I basically, I, I asked the production team if I could, and they said, well, hold on, we'll get back to you. And then they, they answered, look, and they basically said, we can't, uh, like, uh, all, what do you call it? Like sponsor it or recommend, but it, if you did, it's on your own. And that's up, basically it's up to you if you want to do that. <laughs> if it comes up so, creepy, it's on you. <laughs> right. Well, I, don't, I don't know how, you know what I mean, but I don't know how that's they really worded it, but. Liability. Yeah. We're basically like, like, um, and I was like, well, I'm a cop. It should be okay, right? And they're like, um, yeah, good point. Maybe. Uh, so basically, I was basically, I, I didn't. Um, and, and there's not too much about them, like just on like the basic Google searches and stuff. And of course, I'm not using any police powers to do an investigation on them. Of course. It's, it's, really, that's just simply legal. But, oh, um, you know, but yeah, the, like the Google searches and just trying to find any, you know, <laughs> there, he's a very, very small footprint out there. Right. Um, but I was able to watch a little bit of video, some 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 tapes and stuff. Okay. But after make so after making that decision that I really can't look too much into that character or talk to him, uh, I'm speaking to John Bernthal in the in the in the uh, a trailer, and he's telling me how the guy went to uh, jail to talk to the guy in person in Kentucky or whatever. And I'm like, oh man, like like that's dedication <laughs> that you did that like I was like too scared to even like call a guy or whatever. So like yeah, from now on I learned my lesson. Like I'm gonna I don't care if they're in jail for for life imprisonment or whatever. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna track these people down and tell them, look what's up. Let's talk. <laughs> don't be too hard on yourself though. That's different. Like Daniel yeah. Day Lewis contacts you because he's researching a role. You're gonna talk to him. If I call up some guy and I'm like, hey, it's Martin Lopez. Uh, you may not oh, see yeah, my yeah. work yet, but I'm in like six or seven no, indie, indie films. You look, yeah, you, look, you got a good point there. You got a good point. You're like, who, who are you? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's like 20 people who think I'm very good at what I do. Well, that, you, you know, there's another story about uh, like like um, Delaney Williams. Uh, it's a, Delaney Williams, right? Plays um, yes. Ke Kevin Davis, a commissioner. Like I worked for the real uh, uh, Kevin Davis. Um, and I think I, I reached out to Delaney and I was like, hey, um, I actually work for the guy um, and we weren't really communicating that much on social media at that point. But at some point he did reach out to him and he recently posted a, a selfie. So at some point in the process, he did meet with him. I don't, I don't know if it was while he was still filming or just after he was done, but he did meet, meet the guy and they're both smiling in the selfies. That's good to know, because like, I know the real Kevin Davis and that, the real Kevin Davis doesn't smile. So my, <laughs> my character is actually from Philly and I live in the Philly suburbs. So ah. I'm very curious to see if, uh, if there you go. she's out to me at any point. I, I, that's, I would that's cool. a lot of fun if you did. So yeah. uh, for the Baltimore people on the panel, what, what are your thoughts on the show's portrayal on your beloved city? 
heartbreaking. Who's going first? <laughs> Mike Trout. I'll go first. Don. <laughs> it, it was flash. It was like a, a straight up flashback of when the riots was happening down on Madonna Mall area. Um, the way that they recreated Madonna and North Avenue, the way that they recreated, I'm like, oh my god, I remember that. I so remember all of that. And um, it got people in the neighborhood a little upset because they're, they're still upset over what yeah. happened. Um, um, but I mean, it is what it is, you know, it happened. So, would you say fairly accurate? You know, fairly accurate portrayal. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I was I was so hoping it would get I was so hoping at the one at the Penn Station, uh, I mean Madonna Mall. I was so hoping they would get uh, one in the background or somebody to act as the mother who came and got her son. Yes. It, it did that. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. I, I was they would do that. Yeah. Wow. Victor, you you had some wheels turning. Oh, I can't. Um, you might be the first person that's ever asked me um, my opinion of how 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 it's being portrayed and stuff. That's how so, good this show is. Yeah, I, I so mm-hmm. I've been telling people uh, my understanding for the most part. It's obviously going to be very realistic, true to source material and everything. Um, I, I obviously the Gun Trace Task Force is the focus, and they were corrupt. I heard something about it, you know, back in the day. But it was like, oh, you know, some cops were arrested. Like, oh, okay, like that happens everywhere, you know, all across the U.S. I didn't know the extent, obviously. And in reading the book, it's crazy, crazy story. Now, some people on the media circuit right now are saying it's unprecedented and this has never happened in American policing. Yes, it has. The Rampart Division in L.A. Like, so L.A.'s gone through this before. Other cities have gone through this before with certain units and squads uh, at different levels. So this isn't uh, just Baltimore City. Um, but it, it, either way, it's 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 crazy. What and I and I've talked to Ronaldo Marcus Green and in what is this Monsters of Men movie did a great job. And he has a father that was like uh, in law enforcement. And what I appreciate is how he showed as a director um, the other side of the coin or, you know, like the common cop, what they feel. And and, and just like in The Wire, you kind of see it like like my character and some other character like like. The guys that are doing the investigations. So, I mean, they are showing what real cops do and real police work and what, you know, quote, good cops uh, are, are doing. So that's good. And I think that's important because yes. uh, I think in Hollywood and in, in movies, uh, you, you don't want to give you an example. I was working the day training day came out and, and I was standing in the middle of the, of the movie theater providing security. And you know how many dirty looks I got because of how Denzel Washington was dirty? And, I, and like people are walking out of the movie theater looking at me, and they're, they're all upset. And I'm like, um, it's a movie. Uh, it's a great, great movie. It's an awesome movie. But like, so you don't want to, I don't want to flare up people. You know, I don't want it to flare up people's emotions and get mad. And then, right. So now you might have more people like maybe not wanting to comply on, on like uh, maybe traffic stops or something. So I don't want it to lead to any more violence and death right. and all that's that. But I want people to understand the like, likelihood of that is Victor. Do you think that's there? There is a likelihood. It just can't be measured. There's it's not a measurable thing. And I can tell you the Dallas five were killed uh, because of like uh, media coverage and inflamed inflammatory statements. I mean, it, um, it's it's known fact 
and and then it happens. Um, so they, it's it's dangerous. I mean, it, it's just it's it's tough. But it, I mean, people are um, there. There are cases of, of people that get upset and they target certain races. And I'm not. Just, it's not just cops. You know, targeting blacks, targeting whites. Um, it's happening nationwide. But it's like news coverage. It's people dealing with mental illnesses that aren't on medication, and and um, they just they just snap. I mean, it's kind of getting sidetracked, but basically my point was, was like, I hope they, they show and they have kind of a little bit that like the real police work and what, you know, not every cop is dirty. Um, and I think they kind of talk about it like, a you know, a, everyone kind of has a dark side, but everyone kind of has a good side. Even Wayne Jenkins, John will tell you, like he's trying to portray him kind of as a real person and a dad, a father. And, you know, a lot of people like him and he, he did like, you know, a lot of work. But he also did all this bad, bad stuff, too. So it, it's 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 kind of difficult. Um, but I kind of understood that going into it. But uh, George did a great job with, with my casting and stuff because he, he did me a favor as me being a real police officer. He gave me like he didn't give me like a real bad cop role, um, which is which is kind of cool. Um, starting off, not that say that I would never do a bad cop role. It's just I wouldn't want to do it mm. right out of the shoot. <laughs> How about you, Lavar? Do you, do you, I think your eyes popped when I, I first asked the question about the portrayal of, of, of the city of Baltimore in the show. <laughs> I mixed bags on it because it's kind of heartbreaking because I watch a lot of different TV shows around the different networks. I watch a show called The Shy and on Showtime, and it portrays Chicago in a different way and positive ways also. And it kind of reminds me sometimes that, like, you know, I think Baltimore would love the opportunity to get some stories also to show the positivity in the city where we have a bunch of people who want to be actors and stuff. You know, I, I think it's rare. I don't think people uh, give Baltimore enough credit because outside of Baltimore, all people talk about is The Wire, which The Wire, it's a great, it's a great show and a great story. But I also think it's a lot of negativity behind it where people just look at Baltimore to, it's, that's just what it is. And it's not, it's not all that. We have a lot of things that that represent like Ray Lewis and stuff like that, like leaders that really represent Baltimore. And I think we should showcase that more. And I hope this show gives a lot of actors here in this in this area more opportunities because I think Lavar, that was great. In a more in a more that light, was really good. In a more, li- in a more light way. I I, I, I couldn't agree not. more. It's no disrespect yeah. towards. Yeah, it's no disrespect towards these shows because these stories must be be told. I pray that a story like this in Baltimore anywhere shouldn't be told because it shouldn't happen in real life. But like I said, I'm just a sponge to all this. I never knew that this happened. When I first heard about it, it was the Slow Burn documentary on HBO. So that's when I was like, oh, like this was after I did the We Own the City. I didn't really pay attention to the story. I was more of just interested because I have an acting job just working with John Bernthal and everything but then I I started to realize like man this this stuff really really happened in our city and maybe I should start paying attention more and I should start reading a bit more so I definitely want to thank you again Victor for recommending that book I'm definitely I can't wait till tomorrow oh it's great I mean I I did I did the audio book because it was much easier and quicker for me (laughs) so I cheated cheated Uh, that uh, is okay That is okay. Because um, anyone would give me scripts for episode one and five. I, I didn't get uh, scripts for everything, so I had to read the book. <laughs> so sure anyone with any closing closing statements before we end the segment of the We Own the Sea? Lots more below the belt show to come.
but before we end the We Own the City uh, uh, discussion. Well, if no one's going to say anything, I'm going to like put it back on the on the actors, though. Like what I'm seeing from like the fan pages on the social media and it's, you know, we have a lot of awesome local actors. We got great nationwide known uh, actors. And it, this and John talked about it. It's like a family. And and like even from like the mother who gets his gets her son, you know, in, in a just a, in a screen for a split second. She's like the most proud mother and she's proud for her son. And we got people getting their first SAG jobs. We got background actors being bumped up to principal. Um, you know, like, uh, you know, people are loving on Pat Moran and, and John Bernthal. And I think it's it's just great. I mean, I, honestly, this is, you know, obviously the biggest project I've done where I've had a speaking role, but it seems like a much, uh, it's a huge family of actors. Uh, and, and even yes. like the, 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 you know, the hair and makeup division and costumes and everything like er everyone's showing each other love and, and everyone's smiling. And, 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 and um, you know, that community feeling is, is really, really cool, considering the source material of how bad it is. Yeah. You know, like how much it hurt people were able to, like, get something good out of it, at least like with our art and expression. So I, I think it's re really, really cool saying like like we're all here now and we're all connected to this stuff somehow. And a shout out to the people behind the scenes, because as many of you remember, we were dealing with COVID that time. We were dealing yeah. with uh, really bad weather and flooding and God knows what else and uh, schedule uh, difficulties. And uh, those uh, makeup and wardrobe and behind the scenes people, they work long, hard yeah. hours. Yes, so, absolutely. Uh, yes. Yeah, a lot yes. of props to those folks. I realized that when I was a stand-in, when I was a stand-in for Charm City Games, the first time when I realized, like, the people that really matter and that deserves the most credit are these people behind the scenes that are in here at 3 o'clock in the fucking morning. Like, are you yeah. kidding me? I didn't know that. When, they, <laughs> where I they do not sleep. That, like, Some of those people don't sleep. You yeah. don't sleep just for something that yeah, they don't even get credit yeah. for. Don? Yeah, that's where I met you, LeVar. Uh, I was on Charm City Kings. And um, and because I'm also on the local board, um, so I got your local board. Mm -hmm. Some of the stuff yeah. that they had, and I was like, hmm. I was thinking, I was worried about you. I'm like, okay, you sure you're all right? Okay. Yeah, yeah the, the unsung heroes is not just like the standard late hours. They also got to deal with all the emergency crap. Like there's a guy who gets a call at 2 a.m. like, the shot's not going to work. We need a red tricycle yeah. in 45 minutes. And some cat has to go <laughs> fix that problem. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And I'd like to say uh, by watching the first episode uh, and just seeing so many friends and colleagues, both in principal roles and in background mm -hmm. roles, was just brought a lot of joy to my heart to see yeah. so many of the great actors here in the DMV representing. And that's just the first episode. So yeah, we got cool. we got five more episodes yeah. to go uh, every Sunday, HBO yeah, and think... HBO Max. So uh, we got a Sunday. Yes, yeah, Sundays on HBO and then uh, on demand the next day, right? On HBO Max. So, oh, nice. yeah. So um, we'd like to thank, I know um, LeVar said he wanted to hang out. Uh, Mike, uh, we'd like to thank you uh, for joining okay. us here. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. On Below Thanks, the Belt Mike. Show. For this awesome discussion of We Own This City. Mm. All right. So, um, yeah, Below the Belt Show is all about entertainment and pop culture. Mm. And uh, 
Lavar, you said you wanted to stick around, didn't? Uh, uh, initially. Yeah. But uh, we got some we got some cool topics to talk about, right? We got some cool topics to talk about, right? So. Uh, I've got nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> hope you all got your nice drink right right yeah so um yeah i just thought we, we always like to start off with a special topic because you know everything's all about capitalizing on sequels right and all your favorite movies they just greenlit ghostbusters afterlife for sequel another venom move we're gonna get the batman the, the, the batman sequel yes, originality died in 2004 but there are some movies too there's some movies that have not gotten sequels, um, classic movies, and for whatever reason, I have no idea why a sequel, and, and one in particular I'm going to mention, which is going to be mine, has never gotten the light of day. So uh, I guess I'll start since um, I came up with the topic. Um, my pick is The Fifth Element, uh, one of the greatest oh. sci-fi movies starring Mila Jojovich and Bruce Willis. That was and and um, let's not forget Chris Tucker, an amazing performance. Oh. That has never gotten a sequel. I do. And I feel bad because you know Bruce Willis is going through that tough time when he mm. has disorder, which is you know you know affecting him cognitively to to recall lines and and things like that. So I don't know if we're going to be able to see it, but. If there's a way that we can make it work, maybe a passing of the torch where Bruce Willis, this is my pitch, Bruce Willis would do uh, a passing of the torch to like a Chris Pratt, uh, you know, and then Chris Pratt and Mila Jojo. Shaved head, Chris Pratt. Right. They, uh, they, he, yeah, exactly. He's retired. All right, listen, man, I don't want to, I don't want to be negative. Just block out the criticism. Nothing against Fifth Element. Cult classic, people like it, but Shakespeare, that thing is not. And if we're gonna we're gonna call for sequels <laughs> of like films that need to be made, I'm not sure the sixth element needs to come out oh, as it were. No. Um, like people have been waiting what like 15 years now for the sequel to Avatar that we've been promised is coming, and that movie was phenomenal. Well, uh, Martin, do you do is there right, something you choice. is there something that you can think of uh, a film that that never Avatar. got a sequel? <laughs> No, it, 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 well, the, the they keep saying it. They keep saying we keep getting promised that this thing is so definitely being made. Oh no, I'm they're gonna have children before Avatar Two comes they're, out. They're in post production. They're in post production, mm-hmm. so they're happening. We'll see. They got they got a pinball machine you can go buy. Yeah. yeah. But is, is this something you really want to see? Yes, that film was phenomenal. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I, I do know that's already in, in development, and it's uh, they're they're, they're starting to. Uh, I believe they're already in post-production of the second and third, and they're going to shoot the fourth and fifth yep, sometime heard, in the near future. I've heard the rumors. What? So, uh, <laughs> um, Victor, is there a particular movie you could think of that does well, not yeah, have a sequel that should? I mean, you're talking about classics. I mean, they they should have made a sequel to Friday the 13th Part 3D. They, they, sh- they should have made a Friday, <laughs> Friday, the part, Friday the 13th Part 3D Part 2. 4D. <laughs> 4D, no, where, where blood no, is actually being spl- I, splattered I, I, on. I miss I miss the uh, the 3D effects, like, uh, but and then that's my favorite movie ever, so I had to plug that. The only thing is, like, like I did my homework, I researched, and I had a hard time thinking about all these cool movies like have sequels, and a lot of cool movies don't need them. But I would think like maybe Goonies. Yes. I would say yes. Goonies because. 
and the time has already gone yes. by. But like, you know, I go to these fan conventions and I'm actually sitting at Cherry Heat, tr- Cherry Tree Hotel, whatever you call it, where they do Cherry the Monster Hills, Jersey. Yeah, where they do the Monster Mania conventions. I'm in yes. that same hotel and 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 what uh you know we see these actors right you know i see these celebrities and i'm like oh man when are you going to do a sequel to goonies like you know how many fans ask every actor when are they going to do a sequel to that one that they did in 1982 yeah you know what i mean and every actor has to say oh i don't know i'd I'd be up for it you know what they're talking about it like (laughs) you know so every actor is going to get that for every movie but what's funny is sometimes it actually does happen like so uh like was it charlie hudson or whatever from ghostbusters uh, I can't remember his, his, his name, but one of the Ghostbusters actors, uh, the black guy, I can't remember his name now. It's, it's, it's Ernie Hudson. Uh, er, I'm sorry. Er, so, Charlie. So Ernie, Ernie Hudson, Hudson. So you'll ask him like, oh, when are you going to do the sequel? Oh, I don't know. Someday they're, they're talking about it. So he has to say that for 25, 30 years. And then uh, finally, like, like, you know, hey, so I'm the next time I see him I'm be like, hey, when are we going to do another Crow sequel? And, um, <laughs> but it's not going to be a sequel. I guess they're just redoing it. Goonies so, would be just, an excellent choice, though, Victor, because yeah. the, the generational aspect, it's now like Josh Brolin's kids and Sean Astin's kids and, yeah. and Data's kids, you know? Um, they're going on the adventure now. Maybe they're getting advice from their parents of how to find the treasure. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I just, like I like on. how they they're Stop. able to bridge that uh, gap, the generational gap. You just talked about it, like stuff like from the '70s and '80s, or you know, is now being brought back in a different format. So it's appealing to our, you know, the older generation, if you want to call it that, and then the younger generation because it's a newer movie and it's different. Not every time does it work, but I, I definitely like the idea of how 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 you know people try to do that. They're trying to capitalize on on previous franchises, but you know sometimes you can do that. It's it's kind of cool. And just so you know, if, if you, Friday the Thirteenth is your favorite movie, we had Jason Voorhees on the show. We talked to him for like uh, forty five minutes. Really cool well, guy. Which, which one? I mean, they're, they're, they're number one, some of the original. <laughs> yeah, and he talked and he talked a lot about passing the torch and what that was like for like his yeah. version versus other guys' version. It was really interesting. Yeah, yeah, I've met I've met them all and I'm friends with a couple of them. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Okay. So, hey, really nice guys, ironically. Yeah, yeah it's, it's crazy. <laughs> they are. They are some a, nice I am a super, guys. I am a super fan. Probably a super fan. Yeah. Lavar, do you uh, have an idea of a movie that never got a sequel that should have? It was two. I was. I was two movies. I was stuck between. You can mention them both. Like, I was like, hmm, why? Why didn't they make an ET two? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I feel like there was an opportunity. I cried I, so I, hard. I read an article so about hard. about yes. that, and I was like, you know, that that probably could have worked if they'd done that with ET too. Absolutely. Um, I think it was my first time seeing it too, a couple couple years ago too. You know, so I was very interested about that movie. I was and Lamar, you saw it two years yeah, ago, but it, it it stands with a lot of the great newer movies, doesn't it? It stands. Yeah, it makes me realize. Right? Like I, I now I realize why that movie was like a hundred dollars at Blockbuster around that time when I was a kid. Like that movie was expensive around that time. Oh, did the you see the commercial? Movie, I, I did the not commercial see the commercial. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a it's a sequel. It, 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 the commercial is a long commercial, and it acts as a sequel. Right, because uh, it's, uh, it's Henry. It's Henry Thomas. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I was watching it. Oh. I was watching it over and over again. I'm like, oh, this is like a five minute sequel short film. It's it's pretty cool. ET is a, a great yeah. pick. Goonies what, what is a we, great pick. What do we title ET two? Is that like return well, phone call or? Return to center. <laughs> I don't. E- 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 back home. Back yeah. home. Well, the proposal. No, Long distance. Movie, you, guys, 
ET text can't not pick it up. They're kidnapped by some aliens. No, ET and his parents make an appearance in Star Wars if you look very closely. When uh, uh oh yes yes the, uh, the senate senator scene yeah the, the yep. aliens it's a big Easter egg they got a booth man yeah they're in oh, there wow. I didn't know it's that. either it's either Phantom Menace or I think it's Attack of the Clones the second film yes you can see the three ET alien like oh. creatures in one of the pods uh Don Alias Douglas yeah. is there a movie you could think of that really should have a sequel and does not. It's- it's not so much as a movie, but a television show that it could make into a movie is Babylon 5. Mm. Babylon 5, okay. Yeah. What makes you think? They did a. Yeah. They did a, 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 a made for TV movie with the original commander. Um, oh, God, I forgot the actor's name, but he had um, left the show because he started developing Alzheimer's. Hmm. And um, young guy, they brought him back for that to close out the the origin of what was going on. Right. So that was pretty cool. I wish to do Babylon Five again. That'd be so awesome. <laughs> so you'd like to see like a kind of a a, a revisiting of, of all those 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 characters in in this yeah. uh, sequel movie. Yeah. Nice, nice, yeah. nice. That's awesome. Those are some all, awesome, great, great uh, answers. And uh, if Hollywood is listening, make our dreams come true, you know? <laughs> Let's produce some of these projects, man, you know? Um, but, uh, well, speaking of movies at the box office, um, Fantastic Beasts is no longer the number one movie uh, in America. It's actually The Bad Guys, an animated comedy. So that top, the, the, that's the top spot. And Fantastic Beasts is not even the number two movie. Uh, Sonic yeah, the Hedgehog. Yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog is the number two movie. Fantastic Beasts is the number three movie. And I don't know, is is the um, is the Harry Potter craze kind of uh, dying? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, like, uh, I mean, is it? It is in the Harry Potter uh, universe. It's a prequel movie. You know, it's just a really failed to impress at the box office for whatever double- reason. Yeah, the Dumbledore. Yeah, the they waited of- too long. They waited too long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That could that that could be it too. Some, sometimes people don't care about prequels. They kind of want to see more. Sometimes people are like they. I bet you a lot of fans are like, "What is Harry Potter up to right now?" <laughs> more about the fans. Yeah. <laughs> so the sequel yeah. was a lot more. Ex- except that it, like yeah. it was the third piece of a trilogy prequel, and the first two did great. So that's right. what I don't understand. I wondered how much of it had to do with the removal of Johnny Depp. That, and we'll be talking about him a little later, but yeah. Well, seriously, like, people were really unhappy about that. They don't think he got a fair shake. And I wonder if this is one of those examples of, like, you know, consumer activism and that, you it know, plenty of people uh, would have wanted to see it. And then they just like, eh. It could be J.K. Rowling's controversial statements. Yep, hasn't had a good run lately. Um, yeah, it could be a few few factors, but uh, uh, let's see. On fourth place was The Northman, and the, rounding out the top five, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. That's Nicolas Cage's uh, action comedy with Pedro Pascal and Tiffany Haddish, and 
A lot of people say that Nick Cage is back as the box office actor that he was because he was doing like straight to VOD movies for quite a while. Um, some of them got like critical acclaim, but a lot of them, uh, yeah, they were critical acclaim. Yeah. Critical acclaim. How was the pig? Has anyone seen the pig? Exactly. The pig was one of them actually. Nice. I got to watch that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I haven't seen it. I got to nerd out for a second on the Northman. Yeah. So just so people are aware, uh, that's not entirely made up. They're pulling from an old Danish legend called Hamnet. It's the same legend that Shakespeare bases Hamlet on, Prince of Denmark. So if you go see that, you're going to get like two blendings of Great Brit lit. You're going to get a Beowulf type character dealing with a hamlet type scenario so basically lion king is just hamlet remade so if you dug the lion king you're gonna go see a viking go through simba's journey it's totally worth seeing huh okay wow i mean it's got a heck of a a cast all-star cast alexander skarsgård nicole kidman ethan hawk bjork my god bjork that's crazy willem dafoe and one of the the hottest actresses out right now is Anya Taylor-Joy. Not um, Willem Dafoe? Not, well, yeah, Willem Dafoe's been out he's for a minute. He's beautiful. He's fucking beautiful. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant actor. No doubt, no doubt. Um, so, uh, yeah, let's um, go over the, uh, that, you know, that was the box office, but uh, CinemaCon was the big event that, for a lot of the executives, they kind of showcased a lot of the big movies coming out, and... Uh, and that's number one on my list are all the DC movies. So first of all, um, which is major news that Robert Pattinson is set to return as uh, the Batman in a sequel. And Martin, you are wearing a Batman T-shirt. Um, you know what? It did well, you know? I mean, um, it topped the box office over $750 million to date globally. Um, it's it's kicking ass on HBO Max. And uh yeah, very, very deserving of a sequel. Uh, I'm really looking forward to, which I'm guessing will be all about the Joker, because they already, you know, hinted that in the uh, the uh, deleted scene. But Lavar, you're not, you're not feeling, the, you're not feeling the Joker for the second Batman. It's Mr. Freeze. Is it going to be Mr. Freeze. Freeze? Is that who you want, There's or is that? Flooding. There's a flooding Gotham. I know what you guys are doing. They're going to okay. freeze that up. Mr. Freeze. No, no, honestly, I honestly I I don't know. They might do, do the joke. It looks like they are gonna go with the joke. I just think it's a great idea for them to not do the joke because Batman has so many villains that you can go so with. So many rogues galleries. And Joker, we've we've seen great Joker stories, which is mm. which is awesome, girl. I feel like the who's the guy that's playing the Joker? I'm sorry, uh, the actor's name. Barry uh, I think he's gonna do a Barry Keaton, yeah. I think yeah. he's gonna do a great job. I just feel like that character has been showcased. Over so many years, times even after the passing even after after the passing of Heath Ledger. Oh yeah, Joaquin Phoenix, so. Jared Leto. Joaquin, I mean, yeah. Cameron Monaghan on TV, you know, he played Joke on the Gotham TV series, so I feel Very like good we, should, yes. we should That's just my opinion, but if they want to go Joker, we can all go Joker. I think Mr. Freeze is a great villain. I I think that would be an amazing uh villain to showcase cuz we haven't seen a a big screen version I think since Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, Mr. Freeze. I yeah, could be or wrong. Scarecrow. Yeah, or Scarecrow. Scarecrow it's, like it's, it's more of a horror. This looks like a horror Batman type film trilogy that they can go. That's with what I, I agree. Yeah, the, the, the tone of the new Batman movie is very 
it's 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 it's, it's like darker. A, it's dark and it's very. Yeah. It's like a mystery. It's like a, yeah. Uh, I, I'd like. I'd love to see them go with Bane because that was always my favorite Batman guy. And yeah, yeah they did him in the the recent trilogy, but it wasn't accurate. They they didn't make him half as scary or dangerous as he actually is. Right. You know, B- Bane has the serum twist that he just you know inhuman strength and speed, whatever. Uh, so like I mean I nothing against Tom Hardy he did a great job with the in, in the script that he was given but like they did not make that character as problematic as he, like Bane kills Robin that's what Bane does <laughs> broke so. his fucking back dude you know no that's murders cool. murders Robin murders the boy and murders Robin, Robin. That's, that's what Bane does right right so who would you cast as Bane if it was your choice Ooh, oh, that's wow. a great question who do we put in that the fans are saying Dave Bautista right now. He's a great actor, and he's got the body built for it, so I could totally see it, right? Because you got to be able to do both. Do they go back to the well with Tom Hardy? Could be. Yeah, yeah that would be an interesting choice, but that would kind of like loosely tie in those universes, and I don't think they want to do that. It's a lot of confusion already with with the multiverse. <laughs> and speaking yeah, of multiverse, Flashpoint was another big focus of of the of the cinema panel or whatever the CinemaCon panel. Um, they also just announced that I don't know how it's going to happen, but General Zod, not below the belt shows General Mike General Zod, but the General Zod from Superman will be returning in uh, the Flashpoint movie. And interestingly enough, I know the, the actor that plays a Flash, Ezra Miller, is going through a lot of controversy right now. He can't. Can stop. he just get another fight? Oh, wait, he got I, the, yeah. He's gotten arrested just, twice already. Yeah, he's, had, he's having he's having a rough year. Five minutes ago, he just oh, got another fight. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So. Winning at life, man. Just relax. Just relax and win. Yeah. <laughs> but, How are you going to ruin Michael Keaton's return of the Batman like that? You yeah. You ruined Michael Keaton's return of the Batman. Right. <laughs> I don't want to see. I don't want to see that movie now. Oh. <laughs> uh, and of course, also Black Adam. That's Dwayne the Rock Johnson's. Um, DC EU film um, and of course The Rock uh, made a surprise in-person appearance at CinemaCon during the presentation and uh, got a big pop from the crowd, which The Rock does obviously. No, no, no surprise there. But uh, yeah, this is interesting because Black Adam's not a, a character that is universally known, but heck, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is going to make everyone know who Black Adam is, you know. Um, and I can't wait for that one. That's coming out uh, in the fall of 2022. Um, and of course, Marvel. Marvel had some big announcements at CinemaCon. This is an interesting casting. Uh, it's Bad Bunny. <laughs> His real name is Benito Antonio yeah. Martinez Ocasio. <laughs> Has been cast as Marvel's newest hero, El Muerto, <laughs> which means death in Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not familiar with this particular uh, character. He's Latino. Uh, he's certainly Latino. That bunny definitely surprised me uh, in the the wrestling ring, and let's see if he can surprise me with his acting chops. Uh, You're right about that. Right? Yeah, you saw Bad Bunny yeah. wrestle in WrestleMania. Yeah, right? that was amazing. Him and Pat McAfee might as well fight in WrestleMania next year. <laughs> we got a wrestling fan this, here, man. This, <laughs> Lamar, yeah, you the celebrities in WWE have been killing it lately. <laughs> <laughs> Those two in particular, two yeah. of the best. Very, yeah. very good. Very good. Also, a sneak peek of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which is the second film 
in uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller's um, animated Spider-Man um, uh, film. And um, I mean, yeah, the first one was fantastic. So, um, yeah, we got a lot of I mean, we already saw a trailer, but Sony actually revealed a work in progress preview of, of the upcoming film. And um, basically, it's Gwen Stacy's universe, Earth 65, where Gwen is having an awkward conversation with her police officer father, who is hunting down Spider Woman. So, um, so yes, a lot. Expect also the multiverse to be present in um, in the Spider Man movie. So, Victor, you can get in on that. You got to do the voices. Yeah, let's hear it. Some some more officer work. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, let's see. Venom, let there be carnage. Will uh, get a sequel, uh, as well as mm. Ghostbusters Afterlife, which was a big hit at the box office. Uh, that is number three on my list with Ghostbusters Afterlife. Um, I mean, this is the sequel that that. Did Ghostbusters right? I mean, yeah, it was so fun. It was a fun movie. The 2016 Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig, Ghostbusters. What was wrong with it? <laughs> <laughs> it must It just has nothing to do with having an all-woman team. Oh, I mean, I didn't that's say that. great. It has nothing to do with it. It, it really all has to do with the fact that it did not pay homage to the previous films, and of course. It's Ivan Reitman's son, right? It's Jason Reitman. You know, he's going to probably do a great job with uh, that one. So, uh, <laughs> number four on my list, also from Cinem- CinemaCon, is a first look at Margot Robbie as Barbie. And oh. just uh, <laughs> release some. Don, you're rolling your eyes. Come on now. <laughs> God. You know, I'm a big Margot Robbie fan, everyone. But uh, oh. oh my God, I don't need no, she's, the job. She's, she's the great. perfect Barbie. She's better. Than, <laughs> I don't need a Barbie movie. Would you agree? Right? She's, yeah. Is she Thank a better choice than Amy Schumer? Because Amy Schumer was originally going to play Barbie, and this, I'm this like, play Ken. This, I mean, who's going to play Ken? Who's going to play Ken? I, I it's going to be Ryan Gosling. Yeah. That's a pretty solid so, Ken, I'm not gonna yeah. lie. Right. Ryan Gosling, Kate McKinnon, Alexander Ship, America Ferrer, and Simi Liu. Right, uh, so, so, okay. So this, yeah. this, this is gonna sound terrible, but I'm sorry. It's, I, honestly I feel like the character of Barbie does not have enough depth to fill 120 minutes. Yeah, like, what, what, right. are they, what are they gonna Barbie. do? They're gonna go shopping. Uh, Ken's gonna get her some shoes. They're gonna meet back at the Malibu mansion. Wake up the next day. What do you want to do? Let's go shopping. I just I don't. I, don't know what I mean, do it's in good hands. Hour. It's directed by Greta Gerwig. Um, mm-hmm. you know, she's Oscar-nominated director. Oh my god! No, I don't need to see Barbie. But every every toy is gonna become a movie. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm still waiting for a good G.I. Joe movie to come out. We need a I was good... going to say, where's the good G.I. Joe movie? Yeah, how about Transformers? G.I. Joe. Do you like Snake Eyes? I just watched Snake Eyes last yes. night, I should say this morning. And um, You like some Henry Golding, don't you? He's cute. <laughs> <laughs> he's hot. Woo! <laughs> 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 um... But I was more fascinated with the scenery 
and some of the fight scenes than mm. than the movie itself because it seemed pretty lacking. They were like just reaching for something, mm-hmm. and they just didn't quite get it. Okay. Um, but the the stunt scenes were really good. I like the stunt scenes. Yeah, no doubt. And Harry Henry Dalton. Oh my gosh. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I figured you're a big fan of his, but they're also doing a, a, a Hot Wheels movie with J.J. Abrams. So this is another, oh my God, no. another Mattel Warner Brothers Abrams movie. Movies. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm like, listen, I had Hot Wheels. I had a bunch. I loved him, but again, J.J. Abrams did not sign on a Hot Wheels movie. I, Two I hours. Not believe that. What are we gonna do with these cars? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they, we already have Fast and Furious, guys, the, you know? The, yeah, the only Hot Wheels movie I could see is if they took, like, the toys approach. So, like, they're all over some kid's bedroom and they all have a personality. I'd see that shit in a second. Okay. Yeah. Which sounds Wait, like Toy yeah, Story. That's car. what I'm saying. Toy Story was good. All, all the Toy Stories were good, but otherwise, no. Cars. Cars 4. <laughs> yeah, I don't know which way they're going to go, with, but it is J.J. Abrams' film, so... We will see how he does with that one. <laughs> Wait, just to be clear, are you saying J.J. Abrams is directing this film? He's producing it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They didn't announce whether he's going to direct or not. Well, but Hopefully um, he ties it into, like, Cloverfield or yeah. whatever, one of those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could use more Cloverfield, too. That was a solid franchise. Yeah. There you yeah, go. The Great film. Classic. Well, they did have a um, – what was it? The one that um, – Cloverfield uh, Lane or something? Yeah, yeah. It's good. They're, they're kind of sequel, right? They're kind of yeah, the same they, time. Yeah, they're, they're loosely yeah. oriented, right? And then we right, got yeah, the Cloverfield yeah. Paradox, which is but way I, in left field. Yeah, I like more of that yeah. that type of stuff. Like, like try to t- like tie in movies with Easter eggs. You don't have to make um, direct sequels and stuff, but yeah, everyone likes e- Easter eggs stuff. Yeah. Yeah, give it. Give us the version of the Arrowverse in cinema form, right? Just keep. Right. Yeah. yeah give us. Give us an expanding universe of this type yeah. of story. I'm with you. I love it. This is a great film. I highly recommend this film. I actually was lucky enough to get a sneak peek. Um, it's called Don't Worry, Darling. It's Olivia Wilde's directorial debut, I believe, and it stars Florence Pugh and Harry Styles. And oh, it's a geez. psychological thriller, and it's just <laughs> insane, insane. Um, definitely has a billion tickets because of Harry Styles. Just like yes. I, I, like, it, like at least eighty percent of my female friend group yeah. like would marry him sight unseen. So like exactly. I'm not sure the acting matters. They throw him some overalls, put him up on the screen, boom, box office gold. Yeah. <laughs> Like, Thanos brother. He, yeah, and he's Thanos' brother too. And I guess I'll, I really not supposed to say too much of my opinion other than that he is a very good actor. Um, because that was one of the agreements of watching a sneak peek of that film. Um, but yes, Harry Styles, fantastic actor. Whatever you do, go see um, when it comes out uh, later this year. Um, don't worry, darling. Um, number six on my list was a fun trailer that just dropped with Pete Davidson. Um, it's a comedy horror film called Bodies, 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 which uh, basically is a bunch of 20-somethings. They decide to throw a party, and then I guess the kids end up dropping dead one by one and struggle to figure out who's the murderer. <laughs> Jason Voorhees. It's Jason Voorhees. It's always Jason Voorhees. <laughs> yeah, and it's usually the, the, the ones that start having sex first are the first ones. Those that are the rules. Yeah. Yeah. They say don't, don't fuck in the 
<laughs> in a horror movie, you're you're bound to get killed. So, <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, number seven on my list is Wicked. Uh, they just announced that they decided to make Wicked into two movies, a part one and part two. So, of course, this is based on the hit Broadway musical, which is the prequel of uh, you know The Wizard of Oz, and it's uh, Cynthia Revo and Ariana Grande. So. We're going to get the first part in Christmas of 2024 and the second in 2025. Um, I think that's going to be great because that's one of the one of the best Broadway musicals that that's had such a longevity. Wait, uh, is it? Are they going to do it as a musical? No, this will be um, it will it will be a live action, not on a stage, on a set movie. Okay, because they did a, a TV show a while back. I mean, it was short-lived, and it had to do with uh, Dorothy going to Oz and all that other stuff. Right. Real was in it. Um, what was that it Return one? to Oz? Huh? Was I, it Return I, to Oz? Something like that? Something like that, um, but that, I don't think that was the name of the, of the show. Okay. But yeah. I think it was Emerald City or something like that. Oh, so okay. Was, and that And it wasn't a musical, though, was it? No, it was really good. Was really, really good and really good. dark, probably. This one's a musical. So that's why you have Ariana Grande and Cynthia Revo in the leading roles. So you'll get all the music. Uh, <laughs> and you don't seem very enthused. <laughs> uh, number eight on my list is Justin Lin from Fast and the Furious announced that he's dropping out of Fast X. The tenth movie. <laughs> the tenth movie in the franchise that just started oh shooting. Oh, my God. You knew there's problems. Been, oh, it would have been his fifth now. film. Right, would have been number exactly. five for him. Ten years and five films. I realize. Yes. Oh, you know something's really oh, fucked man, up. I realized he was gonna drop out the moment I saw that video last week. It was so awkward between. What did you see? Between Vin Diesel and Justin. Justin Lin and uh, Vin Diesel just finished wrapping up the first week of Fast Ten or whatever number they're on. Right. And Vin Fast Diesel 10. was asking him on on his opinion of the movie, how he thinks this is when it's gonna be. And you can see it in Justin Lin's eyes that he is very optimistic about this movie, or maybe it's probably some creative differences or something. Right. I know I didn't say nothing about it. I'm thinking like, yeah, this movie is probably not gonna be. And just seeing that announcement a few days ago, I'm like, well, there was that video. I can definitely see it in those a lot of people's eyes. A lot of creative differences. I a lot of things I learned about that, this industry too. There's always to there's always heat on that film set. Tyrese had yeah. beef with The Rock because Tyrese didn't want Rock doing Hobbs and Shaw to delay production. Apparent apparently also The Rock and Vin Diesel didn't get along as well. Um, and yeah, just I mean there's just two big egos there, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, there's always some kind of drama on that Fast and Furious set. Look, um, when you when your primary well your principal cast is twenty members strong, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna have some people butt heads. Yeah, yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. And we have eight main characters. And as we speaking as a uh, as an actor, I will say like if if I was ever in those type of moments, I wouldn't even know what to do because I feel like egos colliding. I feel like that's not necessary. Uh, the best thing to do on set is build a story because you have so many fans that care about these these characters. Because I, when I go online, I hear a lot of people that mm-hmm. they want to see The Rock return, but it, it, we don't know how The Rock feels about working with this other actor. So I just feel like 
they they shoot their eagles out and just build a different story. They really care about they care about the the franchise, or is it just a just another cash grab? But it's, it's I guess both. that's just how the business works. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's definitely <laughs> both. I would expect because I, I still don't understand how he gets a, how he has uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Like how is how is Hobbs and Shaw still greenlit for a sequel if they are still butting heads? Like does that's, he have? I think any, that's like, the condition. A part of it. That's a condition because you don't have to have all those actors that Rock doesn't like on Hobbs and Shaw. Okay. Only the ones he likes. Okay. <laughs> so I but think that's how that's how yeah. they make that one work, man. Uh, let's, if I'm Vin Diesel, I'm like, these are still my characters. <laughs> right. See, that's what I was going to say. It's like, do you right. imagine the kind of star power and sway you have to have to be brought into a, a franchise that's been crushing it around like the third or fourth movie, and then you steal half of it and you make your own spinoff? Like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and two more new movie bits, and then we'll take a classic cut break. Maggie Q and Neil LeBute are teaming up for Fear the Night, a new action thriller, and it centers on an Iraqi war veteran named Tess as she prepares for her sister's bachelorette party. As the festivities unfold, the party is abruptly interrupted by a group of home invaders who quickly take the house under siege looking for a hidden fortune. Wow. Mm. What an interesting way to start out. It's like a bachelorette party, yeah. you know, <laughs> I was like, drinking, you know. <laughs> I got I got lost in the storyline. So bachelorette party, home invasion, treasure hunt, like yes. national, like all right, whatever. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of movies. That trailer was awesome. It's three, yeah. Oh, okay. Awesome trailer. <laughs> it sounds wild, <laughs> but yeah. Let's green light that That's one. Awesome Fifty trailer. million. Have fun filming. <laughs> I know what we'll do. I know what we'll do. We'll we'll add this. <laughs> I'm tempted to watch it. It sounds pretty cool. Uh, And number 10 on my list is Riley Keough will be uh, debuting, um, directorial debuting with War Pony. Um, So this is actually um, a script she co-wrote with Gina Gamble, uh, and it's set to premiere at the Cannes Film Festival next month. Wow. I'm pretty impressed with Riley Keough. I mean, she... She went from having semen on her in the girl from experience all over her chest to now directing a major. Sorry, it was a bad analogy. But what? She's come a long way. <laughs> pun intended, pun intended. Oh. Well, some of, uh, I think Riley Kia was really trying to break into the acting industry early in her career. So she would do a lot of racy roles with nudity and the girlfriend experience on stars was one of those shows. And, it seemed like it worked for her. She was like nude in every episode. She had very risque scenes. Wait a minute. What was her name? What, what, what role? What, what was this? <laughs> <laughs> the, girlfriend, <laughs> the girlfriend experience on stars. Girlfriend experience. On yeah. Skinamax? She leaves her daughter. Well, it, it might as well be Skinamax, but it's on stars. Oh. Um, as you know, she's, you know, she comes from a long lineage of celebrity i mean her grandfather is elvis presley or her mother is uh lisa marie presley oh. you know so uh yeah i mean it's uh and she is very 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 easy on the eyes so uh make sure you check that out so um all right so we're gonna take a class cut break and we only have the other top 10 left uh that was the top 10 uh and then we have 11 through 20 we get back on btb um, and, uh, I was trying to think of what classic cut to play and I really couldn't think. And, and I saw, uh, uh, today, uh, Patrick Stump 
from Fallout Boy is uh, his birthday today. And the thing, uh, the reason I chose Fallout Boy is that because he is the, if you think about like the singers in a band, he is the one that's most overlooked the most because all the attention is on Pete Wentz. You know, he's like the celebrity, you know, he married Asher Simpson or whatever, but he's the bass player. But like Patrick Stump is kind of like in the background, you know, it seems. So I feel that he should get a, a classic cut break. Uh, <laughs> so a classic Fallout Boy song, which again, the pop punk genre has been um, a favorite of mine uh, here on BTV. So in addition to the classic cut, we're going to present to you more exciting on location uh, pre-recorded interviews from Philly Fan Expo. Um, well, continuing with Clerks, guys, we have actor Brian O'Halloran, who plays Dante. So in addition to the classic cut, we're going to hear uh, an interview from uh, Brian O'Halloran, who's going to tell us a little bit about the upcoming Clerks 3 and the Clerks reunion that's going to be happening in New Jersey. So more to come here with Below the Belt Show. We're here at Brian O'Halloran. What's up? Dante from Clerks fame and a lot of other great Kevin Smith movies. Uh, Brian, good to have you here on Below the Belt Show. It's got to be awesome to get all the boys back together uh, for this reunion here at Fan Expo. Oh, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, the first time that, uh, for the most part, that Jeff's doing something so close to New Jersey as it is. Right. So the fans have come out in the droves, and we brought Trevor along as well from yeah. Clerks 2, Elias, as you well know. Uh, you can come on by. Speaking, we say his Woo! name. Yeah, see, he's like Beetlejuice, to say his name, <laughs> and he comes around by. Uh, so it's good to have him, and then, of course, Jay Muse, Kevin Smith, also here this weekend. Yes. Uh, so it's been crazy. Philadelphia is always a great city for the Clerks fans in general. They come out in droves, uh, so yeah. it's good to be back. Yes, uh, Philly and Jersey, yeah, of course. Now, speaking of uh, shooting in Jersey recently, Clerks 3 uh, in the can. We cannot wait. Uh, to see this amazing film when you got called uh, that you're coming back to set what were your thoughts? Well, we attempted doing a Clerks 3 about seven, eight years ago with a different type of script, a more heavy, kind of hitting, darker kind of script that Kevin tried to get done. And, and that kind of uh, didn't go so well with certain certain kind of members of the production that they were like, I don't know if we should be doing it this kind of dark kind of thing. And then uh, years later, and Kevin uh, had his health issues and then reapproached the subject in general and, and did another version of the script of Clerks. And uh, people were on board with this version of Clerks. And uh, we we were very stoked to be able to do it, and then when Lionsgate came on board to, to produce the film, uh, we were over the moon. I mean, Lionsgate, Lionsgate is one of the most premier, Absolutely. you know, distributors that are out there. I mean, they were the guys that stepped up back in the day when Dogma needed to find a, how, a home, and they came in and, and did it for us. So it was good to be working back with them again, and uh, I'm really stoked to see what the fans will think about this film. Like, it's done. We shot it last summer through COVID with COVID protocol. 
protocols. We got tested every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and yeah. weekends we were off and stuff. So Kevin's done with the soundtrack, the color correction, the, everything that needs to be done for the film is all done. It's in the hands of the Lionsgate marketing team now. And from what Kevin told us here uh, at the con is uh, most likely a fall kind of release. Oh wow! Yeah. You mentioned two iterations of the script. Yeah. Do you have a preference of one or the other? No, this one is is definitely more fan expected, fan friendly ah, kind of one. Okay. The other one was more of a darker kind of feel to okay. it. It's almost as if uh, if the viewers universe had a multiverse kind of version. Oh, wow. This would have been a, the darker multiverse version of Clerks 3. Oh, okay, but now we're getting the fan-serviced version. Correct. The more like the fan love letter version of what what the, what fans have that. said to us over the years, like, you know, it would be great, kind of thing. Oh, wow. you got to love that, that Kevin always calls on you for any of his projects, and I know when I recently talked to Kevin, I know Mallrats 2 was, was going to be uh, um, in production right. next. What's the latest in Mallrats 2? Because I'm Number suitor number two or three. Three. So number three is is ready, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, that was the thing. Once uh, the the clerks three first mm-hmm. version kind of withered uh, uh, in 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 its trying to get it done. Yeah. Uh, Kevin pivoted to doing a Mallrats two instead, and he, uh, he approached Universal Studios, who owns the rights to the Mallrats series, mm-hmm. uh, the Mallrats you know license, so to speak. They said, yeah, we don't want to do a sequel, but if you want to take it and do like I don't know a TV made for streaming kind of series, totally go ahead, run with the ball. Right. So Kevin did a ten episode treatment. Uh, that he brought around to different services and no one said yes but that also means that no one said no like outright so when he pivoted to do this second version of Clerks 3 and then that was what we did wind up start making so we'll see what happens with the response to Clerks 3 this coming fall if the fan base does really well with it and comes out to the theaters and gets us to, to getting you know first of all all the original investment back and then some that kind of thing puts it in the the minds of these producers and, and production companies like yeah. oh Kevin Smith properties are worth investing in and getting things done that that would probably be the next thing he could step up and start doing is the mall rats too which I'd, I'd be there in a heartbeat so it's all on the fans like you know this business is not what it's not, hey, give us this. It's what have you done for us lately? Because as much yes. as fans love to see something continue on or whatever, if they don't come out to support it, the people who have the money in the production companies and distribution houses are like, this is a financial risk. We're not going to do it. But I know you all fans out there can do it. Come on out. Yeah. Bring friends. See it a few times. Don't wait for it to be streaming on a streaming service. The theatrical box office still means a lot to when it comes to future work. Yes. I mean, let's get the whole Mall Rats cast together, right? I Trish the Dish and, and Shannon Doherty and uh, Claire Filoni. Yeah, exactly. Well, you yeah. saw like Kevin for a while was getting yeah. people to get on Instagram to do the two Mallrats. Yes. And so even Stan Lee as well back in the day showed right. that he wanted to be a part of the second one. So all those people that you saw on Kevin's Instagram saying like they all want to be about mm-hmm. Mallrats too. We're ready and waiting in, in the wings. And, that, and even those scripts are ready and waiting in the rings, ready to go. So it's all on the backs of, unfortunately, Clerks 3 to see if people want to do more Clerks and more right. Kevin Smith views universe kind of films and projects. Absolutely. And how did you like work on the recent uh, Jane Silent Bob reboot film? Uh, reboot was a blast. First yeah. of all, we were shooting down in New Orleans, which is just yes. a crazy and fun place to shoot anything in general. Yes. I mean, it's a party town to begin with, so mm-hmm. add a film shoot to it. And and they've been, uh, Louisiana Good on them has been very aggressive with being very filmmaker and television production friendly yes. and getting Tax people down there. Mm-hmm. Tax incentives, but also the 
crews that are down there. Very talented craftsmen, very talented makeup artists, set designers, costume designers. Even the city itself and the towns that surround it are really open for people to shoot things down there. So when we shot down there, where they actually built the absolute perfect facade of the Quick Stop and the RST video outside of it, I remember it was one of the first two to three days of shooting the film to begin with. Me and Kevin just got to this location where they had the Quick Stop exterior built and we just sat there for 20 minutes just marveling at how an absolute tremendous job the uh, set department and the props and and everything got that kind of feel to where they were even when it was coming time to shoot Clerks 3 once again Louisiana was very aggressive in saying come on down we'll totally replicate what you're doing but because a good majority of the Clerks 3 film is in the actual store Kevin's like insistent no we got to do it back to the old school bring it back to Jersey the entire film back to Jersey Jersey. yes absolutely now uh, unlike uh, Jeff and Trevor you stayed in Hollywood and a lot of other uh, actors of uh, from the clerks kind of went into other careers um, tell us about, about some of your other recent work I saw you did Retaliators recently and of right. course um, you're also involved with a movie called The Gathering of Robert Englund coming up uh, that? yeah, that, that's, yeah that's uh, one that uh, has been in the works for quite a while a lot okay. of the independent films especially here in the Philadelphia tri-state mm-hmm. area there's a lot of filmmakers doing some really good work I mean there'd be a lot of times where I'd be out in LA working on other things and then be getting called by my agents to say hey there's a software some work back east and sure. I was going back east so many times that I was like you know what let me just continue to base myself here in the east and if some work if things come up in LA they can fly me out to LA or west coast or even down in Atlanta now there's a lot of work outside of that LA basin kind of area because independent filmmaking and just you know consumer cameras like this have gotten yeah. to the highest of technology where right. a film can be shot on an, a DSLR like or that, any right? of the things like the Black Magic cameras which are in yeah. a price range that a, a young filmmaker can't afford to do it themselves. Right. Pro Tools, you know, Avid, all these great editing suites, the Sony and uh, stuff like that. And it, You can see these companies are making it more and more accessible. And then with the pandemic and everybody doing streaming and everybody's doing, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Twitch and all this other stuff that these type of technologies got even more into the hands of, of the general public that more and more content is being created so I'm very happy to be working with a lot of the local filmmakers here on the East Coast the Philly area especially and you know M. Knight still shoots stuff here all the time his, uh, his series is doing really well here I know he's shooting the other movie now I worked on Servant actually yeah, yeah so as you could tell you know have you auditioned? I haven't not yet okay. I mean my a good friend of mine just uh, shot a couple of episodes nice uh, my agent here based in, uh, Pens- in, in Philly has been submitting me for different things I've oh, worked good. with night before so if, uh, if I can work with his production company again it'd be all up be over the moon yet again so awesome awesome and last question we are at a Comic Con I know Kevin's a big fan of the geek pop culture is Brian a fan of geek pop culture and what fans what fandoms are your favorite oh geez I'm, I'm a big geek culture before geek culture was the geek culture because yeah. it was a time where you were a nerd and you kind of kept that to yourself kind of thing right. like exactly. you didn't wear your Star Wars t-shirts to high school and stuff right. like right. that right. because you didn't want to be picked on kind right. of thing uh, but now that you can see that people of our age who became empowered to make these films too and the technology caught up to actually make these special effects kind of like holy shoot I mean, amazing right. 
it's good to see it. So my fandoms are pretty much Star Wars. Yes, I'll, I'll stay Star Trek together with Star Wars. Why not? Yes. Uh, Lord of the Rings, despite what Randall says, uh, I'm a big, you know, Marvel Universe, DC Universe. You know, the uh, Game of Thrones stuff, yes. fantasy. Love it all. You know, Last Kingdom, uh, most recently for that kind of genre, has been really super awesome. It's a, it's a shame that it's it's wrapped up their, their season. I mean, we do have one more movie coming out with that. And then anime in general. So it's good to see that this kind of fandom lives on. These type of shows live on. These type of uh, events are just doing nothing but grow. I mean, we were in a really steep up climb before the pandemic. And then obviously this is considered mass gatherings. And everything that was mass gatherings took a really huge hit the past couple of years. But it's nice to see, especially here, like the crowds here in Philly and other crowds that we've seen in the past couple of months coming back. And the more that we can all get vaccinated, boosted, do the, the distancing and stuff like that that works, and the more that these uh, manufacturers get on top of new variants, I think uh, we'll be back to normal. I mean, That's for, the, for the longest, yeah, for the longest times, you know, the Black Plague was, you know, a, a thing that you know wiped out a majority of what was going on on the planet, and we right. got over that. So right. it's a matter of just learning how to tackle it and getting over awesome. it. Guys, Brian Halloran, Dante from Clerks, guys. Clerks one, two, three. Uh, suitor number three of every Kevin Smith movie, just about. Almost. <laughs> All the good ones, anyway. <laughs> here at Fan Expo in Philly. More to come here at Below the Belt Show and click on this. And if you could let us know who you are, sure. uh, two shows. The podcast is Below the Belt Show. Uh, the YouTube show is a click on this. Okay. Great. Hey, folks. Brian O'Halloran here, and you're listening and watching to the Below the Belt Show. What was the other one? Click on this. Click. Hey, folks. Brian O'Halloran here, and you are watching and listening to Click on This. Nice. All right. That was Fallout Boy. Sugar, we're going down. Who doesn't like some good pop punk to hype up and uh, some great uh, nostalgia for that early 2000s hit? All right. Going back to the top 20 uh, entertainment, uh, number 11 is Netflix. What's going on Netflix? Well, Netflix has released dates for nearly 40 movies debuting between May and Labor Day weekend. So basically Netflix really wants movies to, I mean, hurt the box office, I guess. I mean, there's been some major, huge, high-budget direct-to-Netflix movies that we've been seeing, like The Atom Project and Don't Look Up. And hello, kitty. <laughs> um, and what else? Well, uh, it's a team up with Kevin Hart and Mark Wahlberg, which I think would be a great team up called Me Time. Follows a stay at home dad played by Kevin Hart, who finds himself with some me time for the first time in years. His wife, Regina Hall, and the kids are away. He reconnects with his best friend, Mark Wahlberg, for a wild weekend that nearly upends his life. Wow. So uh, I guess. Uh, I wonder. Really? <laughs> I wonder if they have a message for. Uh, that, that sounds really good. <laughs> uh, it's a message for like guys not to go wild when their wife's away. I guess. <laughs> Victor, you might be able to relate. <laughs> He's shaking his head. Uh, let's see. Chris Hemsworth, Miles Teller, Journey Smollett has Spiderhead coming out on June seventeenth. I have no idea what that, what's that about. Uh, they shot up in Philadelphia, Adam Sandler and Queen Latifah's movie Hustle. That's going to drop on June 8th. I was uh, lucky enough to work a couple days on that. 
particular set. Um, and uh, it was a really fun scene. I, I can't wait to see uh, Hustle. Hustle on Netflix. So that's coming up. Um, and if you're a fan of rom-coms, Purple Hearts starring Sophia Carson um, and Kat Graham and Tom Hopper. You might know Tom Hopper from The Umbrella Academy. Um, so that's coming out. Um, also 13, the musical, an adaptation of Robert Jason Roberts Brown Broadway play uh, is another film coming straight to Netflix. So Netflix is really big on the movies, man. So, uh, I mean, Adam Project, I mean, that's the quality and don't look up and films like that. I mean, man, we don't even need to go to the movie theater. Really, just for Marvel and DC, but, you know, and, and those things. But we're getting really big quality stuff. Uh, let's see, number twelve on the countdown. We're we're getting through this rather quickly. HBO Max. Uh, they're doing a Harley Quinn spinoff called Noonans, um, which is pretty exciting. This is uh the animated Harley Quinn series, which I'm a big fan of. It's really good. Isn't it one of the best animated so series good. out there today? It's freaking hysterical. It's hysterical, well written, well animated. Um, you can I ask and, a question about that? that yes, show? please, because I've seen all of season one. Is, it's phenomenal. Is Tara Strong voicing Harley Quinn? No, it's Kaylee Cuoco. Uh, I'm sorry, to uh, uh, okay. Kaylee Cuoco no, uh, from Big Bang Theory, and uh, yeah, Tara Strong. You know, she was the original Harley Quinn voice in the animated series. You're right. But uh, I like, I really like Kaylee Cuoco's take on this Harley Quinn. What do you think, Martin? You think, uh, do you, you've heard both Tara's version and, and, and Kaylee Cuoco's version of Harley Quinn? Honestly, I like the show because it doesn't focus on Harley too much. Like, they do a really good job of, like, working in the Legion of Doom and all this other right. cool stuff. And, like, I, I, I like that a little bit better. I do think yeah. that the Harley Quinn character has been a little bit overdone, which I get because Margot Robbie hit it out of the fucking park. So... Ooh. You can't recast that character. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's, no she, one else she can compare. It, but yeah. Mm-hmm. But this spinoff will uh, focus on lovable loser Kite Man and his new squeeze, Golden Glider. Talk about obscure characters that are getting their own spinoff show. Yeah, but he's great in the in the cartoon, right? He's fantastic, specifically he is, because like he's not very effective. <laughs> he's right. in the room with all these people that are good with what they're doing. He's like, hey. <laughs> Anybody need a ride? Right. <laughs> I think it's going to be great. It's a 10-episode order, so I, I'm sure you'll be watching. I'll be watching for fans yeah, of a Harley Quinn. Yeah, it's a great, like, root for the little guy kind of thing. Right. Like, he's just so fucking positive. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be great. Also on HBO, J.J. Abrams has a series called Demimond. I have no idea what this is about. This uh, Danielle Deadweiler has been cast in the lead role. Um, it was... In development all the way back in 2018, but I guess they're finally, finally going to be, um, you know, going into production for this particular series. But it's about a, uh, a woman named Olive Reed who's torn away from her husband and daughter in a brutal scientific accident. A scientific accident because she's forced to unravel a conspiracy to reunite with her family now lost to a dark, distant other world. Okay. Um, you, you said it was Demimond, D-E-M-I. Demimond, that's right. Yes, yeah, that means half world. Ah. Yeah. Your Latin's paying off, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a nerd. I'm a nerd. <laughs> yeah. <Medieval> <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, that looks really good. Number 13 is Disney Plus, and I don't really have too much other than uh, 
I know episode five of Moon Knight had just dropped, but I haven't uh, tuned in yet. Has anyone been watching Moon Knight? Yes. Yeah, I, have to. I, yeah, I just watched scholar. the episode last night. Oh, good. Can you give us a review, Don? Because we like to talk about it every week. Wait, I didn't. I didn't watch like the the new one, but the oh, one the one that dropped it. yesterday. Okay. Yeah. Um, it you was watched, um. You watched episode four. Yeah. Ah, okay, um, okay. It's gonna. Since I don't know too much about the character Moon Knight, um, it's interesting to see how um. He jumps from one character from Martin to Vincent. He jumps back and forth between the two of them. It's it's interesting how he Mark Spector and Steven, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, how he switches characters and and um um accents. So I'm You're like, right. so I'm like, that's a study right there. Oscar Isaac's uh, <laughs> English accent. We're getting his English accent. Yeah. Which I, we're seeing more Americans like Kristen Stewart trying. Usually it's the other way around. The Brits are yeah. taking all the American roles, but now a lot seeing more Americans trying to do the British roles, you know? Yeah. And, and, and watching, yeah, yeah. And, and Ethan Hawke's character, it's like, when I first, I'm like, who is that dude? And I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> Ethan Hawke? Oh, my yeah. God. He's so different with the long hair. Long and hair. Then, um, Doesn't look like Billy Holt, Billy Holt anymore. No. And then I got distracted um, one scene where there's a close-up of him, and I happen to see his teeth, and I'm like, dude, you need some braces or something. Get that <laughs> teeth from the back. I didn't realize Ethan Hawke's grill was that messed up. No, it's just that one. It's it's like it's either like an extra tooth or something. It's just <laughs> out of alignment with the rest of his <laughs> rest of the row. And I'm like, oh man. So that kind of distracted me for a that second. That distracted you, yeah. <laughs> I can understand. <laughs> why that is um yeah no, no i can understand that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah but um no one's seen episode five yet so can't comment on that but it's only six episodes uh this seems to be the trend lately like we in the city only six episodes you know wandavision all the marvel shows seven six or seven episodes max you know it's like uh i don't know but Egypt. yeah you you haven't seen episode five yet have you Martin? I saw, I saw part of it. Part of it, yeah? Yeah. This is, is, it, is it pretty awesome or what? Oh, it's totally. I mean, it's, it's a great series. You know what episode five reminds me of? Um, did any of you guys watch Legion? Yes. I started, yeah. It's yeah. very Legion-esque, where you're like, you just don't know what's real and what's not anymore. And, you know, it's, it suggests, you already know that he has, like, you know, the uh, the personality breaks. But now it suggests that maybe that, like, that whole world is false. Oh. Uh, yeah, okay. it's interesting. Oh, dude! And, and then awesome. you and then you get some really good Egyptology stuff in there too. Oh, cool! But you know, you you got with the hippo at the end, but they they bring in some underworld. I saw stuff. the image yeah. of the hippo. I can't wait to see that hippo. Very very cool character. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <spoiler> alert. <laughs> the big the big bird was really creepy looking. That crow. Holy heck! Kanchu. Kanchu. Yes. Very cool looking. Speaking of uh, uh, American actors that have British accents, did you see the uh, trailer for what looks like a very cool series on Apple TV called The Essex Serpent? Not to be confused with the snake all the way in Dundalk and Essex up north. Now, uh, The Essex Serpent is <laughs> is all about the, kind of like, um, you know, the, um, the lost Loch Ness Monster in, in England. And it's Claire Danes um, with... A very passable British accent when I watched the trailer. I couldn't believe 
uh, Claire was able to pull it off, but it's uh, her and Tom Hiddleston, Loki himself, in a new series on Apple. So looks really, really cool. And uh, I'm really excited uh, about uh, Michael J. Fox is getting a um, on Apple TV, Apple Original Films. Um, it's not really a, do- a biopic nor a documentary feature. It will incorporate a documentary, archival, and scripted elements in his own words. So this is a very unique type of film that Michael J. Fox is doing uh, for Apple um, about his improbable rise to Hollywood stardom and his adolescence in the Canadian army base and intimate details into his Parkinson's disease. So, I mean, it sounds like um, a documentary, (laughs) but they're saying it's not a documentary. (laughs) sounds exactly what a documentary is, Um, even though they're billing it as not a biopic or a documentary feature. Um, but I guess there will be scripted elements. Uh, <laughs> number 15. So this is a big shock. Um, Carol is out of the Daryl and Carol spinoff on The Walking Dead. So that's uh, Melissa McBride. Apparently, she logistically cannot work in Europe. Apparently, they're shooting this Daryl and Carol spinoff in Europe. So it's just now going to be a Daryl Dixon spinoff um, with no Carol. V- Victor, you're shaking your head because... I know you're Something a Walking Dead fan. And I'm a Walking Dead soldier. And yeah, I, I you are a CRM I, I soldier. I don't even well. understand what's going on with the universe. Right. Dawn, but I, tell, soldier? I was a yeah, walker. I tell, Dawn yeah. was a walker. And, and well, here's the thing. Like, I'm not, we're not relieving. Uh, we're not going to release Rick Grimes until um, all the CRM soldiers, zombies, and mm-hmm. uh, all, all the other background actors get proper on-screen credit. We're there not going to release Rick Grimes. We're not going to. We're not going to do it. I always Fuck them up, man. You get the em. Walker. The Walkers do so much on the show with the prosthetics, um, and the heat, and. But I'm telling you, Kirk Kino, Kraft, right? The assistant. The assistant at Kraft. Why aren't? Why are they, they should be above background actors and be credited, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, there. I, I was the Walker um, on uh, World Beyond uh, both seasons, and. Yeah. Um, I mean, they paid. If you're in the prosthetics, then yeah, you get the makeup bump. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know. You don't know. Contract could be worked out. Ugh. Yeah. Here's I think the big question I always had Does being a zombie on screen in The Walking Dead and going, ah, count as a lie? <laughs> no. <laughs> ADR, no, it's all ADR. Everything's it's all ADR, ADR yeah, sadly. I'm telling you, man, that's a speaking line. Sag's got to no. get on that shit. <laughs> no, ain't going to happen. I wish. Yeah, I wish. Pollyanna McIntosh made sure I didn't have any speaking line. Oh, uh, did you really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to say all clear with, with, with my gun in the frame. All clear. And you're like, oh, I, I don't think we can do that. Uh, um, I Yes. <laughs> Like, yes. thanks a lot thanks thanks a lot every thanks. background thanks. every background actor if it's appropriate should try you know i mean yeah. i mean um when i was on this is us yeah. i mean i went through a, a crazy thing with sag but malik said what's up my natural reaction is to say what's up not just to give him a fist bump and a <laughs> smile said, what's up malik <laughs> so uh, after seeing the episode air i was contact you know contacting sag and like 
I can't tell it's my voice or not. I have a feeling those motherfuckers they're like paid no. some motherfucker to talk over and say what's yeah. up, Malik. And yeah. uh for whatever reason, um I wasn't able to get my upgrade. But um, wow. <laughs> it's wow. just like what the fuck, right? Wow. They they did that with me on uh, Wonder Woman. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, Patty Davis, you know, wanted me to do something Patty and I'm Davis. like Yeah. And I'm like, so do you want me to say something? And the first AD, he came over, he said, you do realize that. And I'm like, whatever. I'm like, dude, I understand what you're trying to do. That's okay. I I'm know. Go I know. away. We, 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 as actors, especially if cast is background, we want the opportunity to possibly get upgraded. Obviously. Clearly. Yeah. So we're gonna do what it takes, but um, I'm really shocked about Carol though. Um, she she doesn't want to do this spinoff with Dare. I, I guess she just doesn't want to shoot in Europe. And she said all they explained was that it's logistically untenable for Melissa at this time, and the fans are disappointed. But the Walking Dead she, universe continues to grow and expand in interesting ways. She got warrants or what? Warrants, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's not like it's that big of a problem to fix. Like they could shoot it somewhere else if they really wanted her if in. Like really this is a fixable her. problem. Yeah, I don't think the truth has come out about this. Yeah, I don't it, think so either. It, it didn't it, sound right. It, yeah. it could be uh, um, she didn't want to get vaccinated, or it could be Ooh. with a passport. Yeah. I don't know. Walking, that's pretty strict about vaccinations, aren't they? Or were they at the time? England no. is. Yeah. Yeah. So. I don't know, but can you uh, imagine doing that though? There's this thing that you built. It's a character that you like have personified. There's this other project you want to do, and they're like, "We're doing it in Australia," and you're like, ah, "I'm out." <laughs> <laughs> That's a cool country, though, man. To, to That's what I'm saying. It doesn't make sense to me. Like, ah, not, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. All right, celebrity gossip now. Uh, number sixteen on my list: Andrew Garfield taking a break. From acting, he um, yeah, he's been overworked. I mean, he was in two Oscar-nominated film, you know, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. That must tick, mean tick. he's filming something right now. He's good uh, at uh, disinformation. That's right. He did say that he was not in Spider-Man No Way Home, and he was indeed in Spider-Man No Way Home. So that means so he's that, doing another movie right now. <laughs> <laughs> he's also going to be in the FX limited series Under the Banner of Heaven, which is a true crime story that. of the same name. But he basically says, yeah, I need to uh, recalibrate and reconsider what I want to do next. And I just want to be a bit of a person for a while. Oh. Yes. This guy's just so selfish. I need, to be <laughs> a, I need to be a bit ordinary for a while. Ordinary. Is the word. <laughs> How dare they? <laughs> you want to be people and enjoy your life. You have obligations. <laughs> <laughs> he did work a fuck ton uh, very recently, so I, you know, and Robert Downey Jr. did the same after Endgame. He took a long break, so um, let's see. Number seventeen on my list: James Gunn took a stand to defend Chris Pratt. So apparently, uh, there's a few snowflakes that are up in arms about um, Chris Pratt um, r- remaining as the Star Lord character in the Guardians what of the Galaxy. Do? What did he well, say? What did he do? So. So this is the thing. He's he he's very religious, did as you dis- know. No, this is yeah, this, this is, is ex-wife. Yeah, no, he didn't no. say anything. People he didn't got say anything. on him. 
for not standing for causes they wanted him to stand for, and then reinverse, like, into it, they're like, so you're secretly a bad guy, because if you would have hashtag what we wanted to, if you weren't secretly part of the evil side. You're like, this shit is out of control. It's like a trick question, if you, like, remember when we went through, like, do all lives matter, or do black lives matter? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like a loaded question. It's like, yeah, oh, so you hate these ne- people. Next question. Next question. So, all right. So, so this is what it was. So it was Chris Pratt's involvement with the Hillsong Church, which apparently has been allegedly labeled as anti-LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you know, same-sex marriages and things of that sort. Um, we don't know if that's true, but apparently, um. Chris Pratt came to the defense of the Hillsong um, church and says that nothing can be further from the truth. I go to a church that opens its doors to absolutely everyone. Everyone is that's entitled. Not, that's not enough. Yeah. Everyone is entitled okay. to love who they want free from judgment of their fellow man. So um, huh. Elliot, Elliot page was actually the one that was very vocal and said huh. that you, you're a very, you're a famous actor. You belong to an organization that hates a certain group of people. Don't be surprised if uh, someone simply wonders why it's not being addressed. Oh, uh, well, anyways, James Gunn defended Chris Pratt. So I thought that was appropriate. Um, and he said, you know, why? Why would I recast them? Because of your made up, utterly false beliefs about him? <laughs> For something yeah. that someone else told you about him that's not true? Right. Chris Pratt would never be replaced as Starlord, but if he ever was, we would all be going with him. So there you go. So oh, I, I wish G- Gina Carano got that type of support. Gina Carano, very interesting situation with Gina. Um, very vocal on social media, and of course was asked to uh, asked to leave Lucasfilm and uh, her role as Cara Dune. Um, but there are some rumors that 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 they're they're discussing a return. I don't know if those those are true or not. Um, yeah. But uh, well, nobody gets canceled forever. That's a thing. Unless you're a government employee, <laughs> then you lose your job. But these actors, they'll, they'll come, they'll come back. But still, we're, come still back. In, we're still in the midst so, of a can- cancel culture. Yeah, like I, I totally get and support like wanting to be inclusive and support people and all that stuff. But like the problem with cancel culture is it judges us all by our worst day, and then it eliminates mm. the capacity for growth. So if somebody Thank is 16 you. or 22 or whatever says something horribly wrong, and we all agree it was horribly wrong, and we want to talk to this person and be like, you can't do that. You're hurting people. But, like, from 22 on, they can never work again. They can never show their face in public. Like, you forfeit yeah, your life as a human being. <laughs> like, that's my bad. I'll spend yeah, the next it. 60 years in a cave right. apologizing for this really offensive shitty tweet that I did when I was still developing my frontal lobe. It's just, it's, it's not a rational expectation. So like you can, you can inform the person about what they did wrong. You can ask them to do better, but the notion that we just hate them for all time from that point forward right. seems a bit both inhumane and illogical. Are you, well, you're going to, you're going to talk about Amber Heard. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. That's, that's no, actually, that's, that's coming up on my list. Yeah. I was going to say, some of it has to do like a misnaming of what's going on. You got um, consequences and cancel. So, and they tend to put the consequences 
as a cancel. So it's like, mm. that's where, um, you know, people need to start making the, the correct distinctions of, is it dealing with the consequences of the action? As opposed to, all right, you're out. So, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, I just, my point is that the consequence for a mistake should never be eternal banishment from right. society. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it depends on what yeah. it is. Yeah. But, but because but then, then you free somebody in time at their worst point. And yeah. even, it, maybe it's just me, I'd like even the worst of us, we should encourage them to improve, we should give them the opportunity to improve, help them give the resources to improve. But if you should nice. take somebody at their lowest moment, and stop them there and say that's who they are for all time. I think that's the worst thing you could do to somebody in a damaging mentality because you, you just fix yeah. them in that that box. Yeah. Wow, that was yeah. really, really well, well said. I have a question Levar. about that actually. So how so how would that apply to someone like Will Smith who's technically I was would just you say cancel right now? Well he's only he's only got a ten year like, cancel. <laughs> right? Ten year ten year sentence, yeah. yeah. So so like He's yeah, got time to redeem himself. Like should, he does. We are, we're we're judging. We're now judging him on his bad day now. So now everything, every time we see him now, we're gonna think of that that bad day now. So he'll what, bounce back. That's what what is next for him? Yeah. We'll see. But the whole thing with Will yeah. Smith, I think ten years is way overboard. When it's like, oh, okay, so you're gonna kick him out. Or ban him for ten years, but y'all didn't do anything about Roma Polanski. Y'all didn't do anything about her Harvey Weinstein. Or you know, y'all didn't do. Harvey's Why? paying the price now, I'd say. So, so <laughs> I mean, yeah, but yeah. but yeah. you know, you still got others who are still in the cam who did way worse. Right. I'm like, you know, ten years. Wait, that's that's a lot. Y'all yeah. just in like three years. And like Richard, pretty good okay. track record as a great guy. <laughs> and yes. Will Smith he just has one put a like lot said, of effort into bad day. One lost bad his temp and like not at all excusing what he did, but like to sum that man right. up and judge him by that admittedly really bad mistake. Um, I don't, I don't dig it. I don't. Yeah, yeah not a fan. But, but then, yeah, and then he's too, allowed to. Like he's violence. allowed to work. He's allowed to work. He can still act in the Oscar nominated films. Oh, yeah, he just can't show up. He just, he just can't, can't walk the red carpet and sit in the He can't do he can't do sack principal roles. He's, he's only he uh, can still do background. Yeah. Yeah. Sack oh, he can only do background. Uh, all right, number eighteen on my list. Yes, the Amber Heard uh, Johnny Depp defamation trial. Uh let's just talk about some of the highlights that happened last week and uh Apparently, Johnny Depp ended his testimony on Monday um, by declaring himself to be a victim of domestic violence. So, um, yeah, I mean, even though Amber is claiming, you know, the victim of domestic violence, he feels that he's also uh, a victim just the same. And uh, there's a lot of stuff that that came out uh, from this trial. I mean, we heard the audio that Amber admitted to hitting Johnny Depp. Um, I didn't hurt. hit you. I pushed you. It wasn't. It wasn't like a hit. It was a, uh, a, a hit. I didn't. I didn't punch <laughs> you. It was a the hit. hand what? wasn't a hit, right? Um, yeah. Um, and of course, what didn't help in Johnny's favor was Depp's past drug and alcohol use, um, <laughs> and and text messages between him and Paul Bettany 
and Marilyn yeah. Manson about how they were taking drugs together and doing cocaine and uh, pills. And that's not going to help Johnny's case, sadly. But, uh, what's, but what's the drugs and, and all got to do with him being a domestic, uh, uh, being well, a victim right. of domestic abuse? That's got nothing to do with it. That's but, right. Uh, it's that's like... It. But it's character assassination, really. Yeah. Going back to Paul and Johnny Depp, there were some crazy text exchanges between the two of them. Basically, oh, man, this was crazy. Um, So Johnny Depp uh, had a a text messaging um, conversation with Paul Bettany and talked about let's drown Amber before we burn her. Johnny said, I will fuck her burnt corpse afterward to make sure she's dead. Oh. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and Bettany, you know, responding appropriately. Now, the thing is, uh, Johnny defended it and said it's directly from a Monty, Pi- Monty Python in a sketch about burning witches and drowning witches. Um, these are all films that we watched when we were young. That's not in that sketch. And he said, we are referencing the movies in those texts. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I know the scene he's talking about. There's, there's nothing about fucking it's a not, dead bird corpse not, just to make sure it doesn't not, get up. It's not a corpse. <laughs> there's also a video of Johnny Depp destroying cabinets. And, uh, uh, you know, destroying destroying. Cab- Inanimate is one thing. Right, but he did not, he he never touched Amber Heard. And then, uh, would you say you're violent, uh, Johnny? In that clip, Johnny says, I was violent towards cabinets, but I did not touch Miss Heard. (laughs) 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 And he pours himself a big glass of wine. Amber's attorney goes, you poured yourself a mega pint of wine? He's like, a mega pint? <laughs> I poured myself a large glass of wine. I hated it. <laughs> so uh, that's just another crazy aspect. Um, well, another one that's is pretty crazy, pretty nasty, and became a meme is the Amber Turd that developed after Amber allegedly covered Johnny Depp's bed. Who does that? With her own fecal matter or her own shit right so wow. apparently they blamed them on the dog uh, <laughs> but they had little yorkshire terriers and those little dogs the size of their their shit is not comparable to the size to, uh, of a human shit maybe you got a great thing yeah. It makes, it makes no sense thing. to me. They didn't have a great day. They had little Yorkshire Terrier kind of yeah, like one York, of Yorkshire Terriers. Yorkshire shit If you're gonna do it, why wouldn't you own it? Like, if you're gonna go to the extreme venture of like doing this to bother somebody, wouldn't you be well, like, look what it did to your bed? Well, <laughs> I, I did. Yeah. I have I have caught people defecating in public before. Wait, say it again. I have caught people defecating in public before, and I. Told him, uh, if you don't pick up your trash, I'm going to give you a ticket for defecating oh, so you, in public and you for gave the opportunity to clean it up after themselves. That was a that was a you gave him a yeah. second chance. So yeah, that that was but, that was a but, you know, that really takes every everything that I saw in the beauty of Amber Heard and, and, and Mara <laughs> and the Queen of the Seas. And now thinking of her like crapping on, on Johnny Depp's bed, if if it is true, if it's not the dog and it isn't true, uh, that really <laughs> <laughs> that really 
Stains, pun intended, my my image of her. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> no, I've seen I've seen a lot of online comments where guys are like, "Yeah, I'll overlook that." You would overlook. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Well, that's. I need thing. a shower. <laughs> that's the thing. <laughs> Apparently, Johnny got a psychologist, a psychologist to assess Amber Heard's, um, you know, whether she has mental illness or not, and. The forensic psychologist who was hired by Johnny Depp said that Amber Heard has borderline personality disorder and histrionic personality disorder. Um, and apparently, um, yeah, I mean, th- these are based on the health records, the documents, audio recordings, photos, and videos. And her name is Shannon Curry, the uh, forensic psychologist, and believes that Amber has a lot of inner hostility and is self-righteous, judgmental, and full of rage. Wow. So uh, so this is uh, now we've all pretty much heard Johnny speak the entire time. We have not heard Amber. So I guess Amber is next next on the, the thing. But, uh, you know, the thing is that uh, Johnny Depp was not able to do the final Pirates of the Caribbean movie. So that was like a big part of it. He really wanted to finish um, that last Pirates movie. And um, Fantastic Beasts got pulled from that. And then the Fantastic yeah. Beasts movie as well, you know. It got canceled. It, it, yeah, I mean, he'll come Matt, back. Granted, he'll Matt come Mickelson back. did did a decent job, um, allegedly. Um, I hadn't seen it yet, but um, it's been a media circus. I mean, this this whole uh, trial and uh, you know, it's you know, real close to us happening in Fairfax, Virginia. If you want to stop by the courthouse and <laughs> and see Captain Jack Sparrow, you know, why are they having it there? Like what? I think it has to do with the, the Washington Post op-ed that Amber wrote, and uh, I'm not sure. Um, they always wanted to have an, a neutral city, I guess, and maybe neither Johnny nor uh, Amber had ties to um, Fairfax, Virginia. You know, they, they can't have it in Los Angeles. They can't have it in, you know, what, wherever hometown Johnny or, or Amber are from, you know, so – you know, that that would have some bias with, with jury selection. Like, where's the place in the country that's least likely to know anything about this? Fairfax, Fairfax Virginia. Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah, better yeah. juror pool. Yeah, it, was, it, was uh, just... it, pro- it probably has to do with where the where the product uh, publishing of the paper is of based. The mm-hmm. Washington um, Post op-ed. This is uh, December twenty eighteen. Yeah. Where Amber did not mention Johnny by name at all, um, and apparently this is where Johnny Depp alleges he was dropped from the Pirates franchise after she wrote the op-ed, and of course that is a big chunk of the fifty million dollar defamation suit. Um, yeah, yeah, it's like everyone knew she was talking about him. <laughs> like there was this guy <laughs> that I was in this long-term serious relationship with, yeah. kind of like a life partner. <laughs> <laughs> she talking about Elon Musk in the elevator. Yeah. That's actually oh, number 19 on my list. Yeah, number 19, <laughs> Elon Musk, the new owner of Twitter, guys. What do you think? Yeah. I'm uh, going to drop it. You're dropping Twitter because Elon Musk. You're dropping Twitter because I'm leaving. Musk. I don't want that. I don't want <laughs> And I'm And you're and Victor, you're joining. You're doing the opposite. You're joining. Don's right. leaving. Victor's joining. Now, let me guess. Yeah. Does this have anything to do with politics? <sighs> Yeah, I don't want that asshole 45 back on. Mm-mm. So do you think because um, 
allegedly Elon Musk may be Republican or a Trump supporter. He might reinstate Donald back. It's not. That's got nothing to do with it. It's got to do with him. Dude was dropped. He was kicked off of Twitter for a reason. And if you're gonna allow that crap back on, mm-hmm. fuck you. I'm but out. but how do you know he's going to allow Donald Trump back? I say if. If if okay. And and he's, and, he's and, a free speech guy. I mean, there's there's a good. If you're yeah, a big free, free speech, speech proponent. Free speech, as long as he's got the free speech. Because remember, he he was suing his kid um, that was tracking his plane. He's and so yeah. it's like. So it's like, as long as he's got a free speech. Yeah. Yeah. Forty-four billion. Can you believe that? That was the price tag that you he know, could uh, use it to help world hunger. That's that's the controversy. Apparently, he said he, he would be willing to to donate a large sum of money towards, you know, the world hunger. And how about when he said he was going to kick out everyone out of the building and make it a homeless shelter? Is he Maybe still is he still holding to that promise? I don't know. Okay. Doubt it. <laughs> so I mean, he is a brilliant mind. Let's not get that wrong. But uh, we will see. I'm I'm very curious of what he wants to do with that. Um, apparently, some people are not a fan of of Elon Musk buying Twitter. Um, Kate I don't Blanchett. tweet tweets. I'm I'm a neutral party. I got I got no dog in this fight. <laughs> Uh, well, Kate? he's gonna have to uh, uh, get through the EU um, because yeah. if, with um, the internet issues that the EU deals with, mm-hmm. and if he can't do that, then that deal is gonna be dead because then Twitter will only be allowed, well, the US. Right. Uh, let's see. Kate Blanchett, very vocal, said it's dangerous, very, very dangerous that. That Elon Musk uh, took over Twitter, um, but uh, <laughs> did you say why? Yeah, good question. I guess because it has to do with um, the character of Peter Isherwell from Don't Look Up was kind of like um, the the character was inspired by Elon. Oh, Musk. she's talking about like. The archetypal megalomaniac billionaire yes. who's trying to exactly uh, yep and and apparently um she feels that well because of that yeah the it's become politicized and mis- and misinformed as this Isherwell character um, played by Mark Rylance helps spin the catastrophe catastrophe into a cash grab. And job yeah. creating scheme that picks up widespread support. Sorry, the whiskey's kicking in. Um, no, I but, could totally see that happening too. Like I was watching yeah. that part of the movie and I was like, dude, they, oh, they got us pegged to a T. Like if it was the choice for humanity between like saving ourselves and maybe each one of us getting two billion dollars, like we'd probably roll the dice on that. And like it's, it hurt my soul. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I think that's where uh I'm guessing that's where Kate Banchett's going with it, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then, too, he's going to be the sole owner, make the, making the company private. <laughs> I think we should close <laughs> with number 20. The last thing on my list is 
Mike Tyson was in the news. Yes. Uh, I guess, you know, after Will Smith, Mike Tyson's the next of the celebrity caught in a a public scuffle. This is with a a fellow airport passenger. Apparently, Tyson was filmed last week repeatedly punching a passenger who apparently he was a complete douchebag, uh, instigating the altercation. Um, Apparently, um, Mike Tyson, you know, seen already very recently laughing on the phone at the airport um you know just like nothing happened you know um <laughs> uh you know it, and i'm i'm curious to see if that laugh will turn around when this uh individual decides to press charges because i mean this is still clearly assault um now is this different than the will smith chris rock situation um because i mean the, the kid the kid was being a, you know, a jerk or allegedly throwing a water bottle bottle at him at his honest seat. Uh, how does this, in your opinion, guys, differ than, you know, by should, law? Like, I can tell you by law. You throw a water bottle at Mike Tyson, you get what's coming. You get what's coming. So do you think it was justified? Uh, well, a joke, uh, a joke about it is not justified. Yeah. A water bottle being thrown is justified to get an ass whooping. Who you yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to live in a society yes. where like physical violence is ever justified. I know that's a pipe dream, but right. nonetheless, but like, no, they're right. not the same thing, right? Like, Chris Rock was doing his job, and a guy walked up and struck him, right? Like, Mike is on a plane, and some guy is drunk behind him and messing with him, and like, I don't, I obviously don't know the details, but what I saw on the port is like, apparently, like he dealt with it for a while, right? <laughs> He got pushed over the line, so like I'm not I'm not saying it's the best possible result, but I agree with Lavar. Like you're looking at a former heavyweight champion of the world, a dude right. not well known for keeping his cool, and you keep right. poking the bear like. Oh, oh. <laughs> I think what it is is really it's like uh, miti- like mitigating uh, circumstances, okay. meaning like it like um, like he was he was antagonized. And he may have been actually assaulted because his seat kept getting rocked or whatever. So I don't know if he, he tapped him or he just kept bumping into his seat. Right. So you can you can maybe say like, oh, he's defending himself and, and the initial. But like the video just shows him continuing. And that's kind of like the distinction between self-defense and like uh, going overboard and making self-defense into an assault. So really, you would if he turned around and like pushed him or maybe just punched him once, like that could have been justified, maybe. But when he, I guess the video showed him continuing to punch him. Yes. So yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, it would really, it'd be be considered like an assault. And then, so say he gets charged and he goes to court, like maybe he could be found guilty of assault, but it would be like a mitigating circumstance that this guy right. egg, egged it on. So like, okay, we find you guilty and sentence you to like, you know, time served of no time and like, you know, uh, pay a fine or whatever. So it's kind of like a like a mitigating circumstance. Wait, that's um, but fascinating. Yeah, so, yeah. so you're telling me like some guy jumps me, and if I like fight him off, it's okay. But if I beat his ass, I'm in trouble. Well, like, oh, actually, it depends on on the jury. It depends on your jurisdiction. And, yeah. and, uh, yeah, generally speaking, the different right? states. But yeah, uh, it's difficult for you get to give what ifs, right? Because we can right. what if everything to death. Yeah. But right. the, um, the, the typical, the, you have a right to self defense. Yes. Now that right, uh, it doesn't. It's not self-defense anymore. Right. If you're not being uh, assaulted, you're not in a fear of assault. You yeah. could walk away. So, so I can like, only yeah. kind of beat him. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you mean beat him? Like you, yeah, you that's, can that's what I, meant. I was so, like, you know, kind you can't of, put yeah. him in a hospital, yeah, but yeah, you can yeah, give you, him. You a... 
right. you can't yeah, you can't do your finishing move. That's the that's the no down forward B. Like as soon as he's as soon as he's a red spot, you let him go. Style, right? No finishers. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Wow, this has been great, guys. That, that that's my list for the top twenty in Hollywood. Doing a little more streamlined here on Below the Belt show, so we don't go super late. But I want to take this opportunity for anyone that wants to promote, other than We Own the City, of course, watch We Own the City, uh, where you can see a lot of uh, DMV's uh, brightest talents uh, on the on the small screen. Um, but Lavar, Don, Victor, Martin, anything uh, that you guys want to throw out, promote wise. Uh-uh. Uh, no, I guess you can just follow me on uh, Instagram at LeVar Jr. L-E-V-A-R dot J-R. Okay. That's pretty much it. I don't pretty much promote that much. I need to get better at my promoting. That's, okay. that's why I got you on here. That's why, that's yeah. why I got you on here, man. Yeah. Don, Don <laughs> when man. is your film going to be finished? Oh, my God. Yin, 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 yin. Yeah. Hopefully this year, man. Cause Hopefully like, this year. Yeah, because it's like every time I get ready to go finish it COVID. <clears throat> god damn it well you know yeah. fauci said we're no longer in a pandemic yeah we're in so, an endemic now um end, we're in the end of it. yeah end of it yeah so, that's good news so is anyone I, not happy to hear that that yeah I, i'm not happy to hear anything fauci has to say <laughs> honestly he's contradicted <laughs> himself so many times like I, I how many boosters do i need to take because he said so uh, you know, what I mean, it's it's it's. For, I'm done with Fauci. Hey, Ridiculous. I'm all about protecting. Okay. <laughs> he's just he's just exercising his free speech. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe causing an insurrection or something. He's, he's insurrection of freedom. freedom. I'm a freedom instigator. Oh my goodness gracious! <laughs> Victor, you're, you're promoting. Are we own this city? Um, yeah. yeah. And Victor Dobro official Instagram. Um, nice. I tell I tell people to go to yeah, insta- go to Instagram, go to fo- go follow, and then uh, IMDb. Mm-hmm. And uh, today, tonight was the last principal photography day night shoot for Talons of the Phoenix independent oh, film, which we did sign. Cost us Mandalore. Yes. And Mike Mike Sutton was a part of that. Vince awesome. I- Einsenson. And Victor Dobro, you're talking about Vince and- Eisenson. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like like we got a great great. Get his name right. Independent uh, uh, um, World War II period piece. It just finished. Who knows, like when they're gonna finish editing? And then I don't. I don't know about distribution. I don't know if, when, and if, and what platform us actors get to see it, much less the public. Well, but uh, that's my most pr- proud role is is um, a U.S. Army general in the talents of the Phoenix, and it should be up in IMDb in a couple days too. Awesome. Once a future nice. king. King, no. what you got? I got, I got nothing. You got nothing. Okay. Instagram is Martin Lopez underscore actor. There you go. There you go. And of course, you got to follow Below the Belt Show on Instagram <laughs> at Below the Belt Show. We have uh, a new social media manager that's going to be uh, doing amazing things for us. Uh, shout out to Sarah. Sarah is going to be uh, taking DTB uh, to uh, better, better follower heights, so to speak, uh, <laughs> which is what we need, guys. So, uh, all right. Of course, we always end BTB with those who have uh, passed away, um, including uh, Kenneth Sang, veteran Hong Kong actor, martial art from many martial arts movies. Um, we also lost Jacques Perrin, prolific French actor who starred in more than 70 European movies over his multi-decade career. 
Uh, Jim Hart's NBC News correspondent, correspondent and co-anchor with Barbara Walters in the 70s. Um, and also um, we lost uh, a member of Earth, Wind and Fire, the saxophonist yeah. Andrew Wolfolk. Um, yeah, I mean, Earth, Wind and Fire, definitely an amazing, amazing, talented and legendary group. Yeah. Um, so, and of course, we definitely celebrate life for those. Uh, another uh, another trip around the sun includes um, Sheena Easton is 60 today. Um, and I re- mentioned earlier already, um, Patrick from Fallout Boy, the lead singer, is 35. Uh, Jenna Coleman from Victoria and Doctor Who is 33. Um, William Mosley from Chronicles of Narja is 32. And Emily Rios from Breaking Bad is 30. And that's birthdays today. Um, so, yes, uh, this has been an incredible show. From top to bottom, we'd like to thank, of course, the We Own This City panel with the co-stars from We Own This City. Victor Dobro, Don Douglas, LaVar Lewis, and Mike Sutton, who has joined us earlier in the program. We'd like to thank, of course, Martin Lopez, the once and future king. And um, closing out tonight uh, with another great pre-recorded interview that myself and the king of the 80s, Chachi McFly, conducted yesterday, the documentary filmmaker behind Tony Hawk, Until the Wheels Falls Off. That That was a good one phenomenal phenomenal documentary that chronicles the life you know the ups and downs mostly ups actually of of tony hawk um during his early days of skateboarding and and to multi-millionaire megastar the greatest the greatest of all time that's ever rode a skateboard you know um and it was a great documentary film we got to talk to sam jones um the filmmaker um, the director behind uh that great uh, which you can catch also on hbo max this is all about hbo max tonight we own this city and the wheels fall off you getting royalties or what <laughs> it just happens to be the guest <laughs> on tonight's show all right guys so on behalf of the we own the city panel don victor lavar mike of course martin lopez the once a future king i'm al celebrity soto guys we will see you Next time, next week is our May the 4th Be With You episode, our Star Wars Spectacular. <laughs> um, and we're looking forward to talking about everything Star Wars. I'm sure we're going to see an Obi-Wan trailer. And I have a, a, a one-question interview with Ming-Na Wen, who plays Fennec Shand in The Book of Boba Fett from the uh, the Philadelphia Fan Expo, guys. So we're going to... She's a Disney princess! And she's a Disney <laughs> princess now, right? So... So look forward to that. May the Force be with you next week, May the 4th, uh, on BTV. So we'll see you guys next week. Until then, peace. All right, guys, we are so excited to welcome to Below the Belt Show documentary filmmaker extraordinaire Sam Jones, the mind behind this amazing documentary on HBO Max, Tony Hawk's Until the Wheels Falls Off. Sam, good to have you on BTB. Thanks for having me. Yes, we got into our yes. uh, our inner Tony Hawk Bones Brigade spirit. Yeah, uh, definitely did. <laughs> yeah, I see, I see the shirt and the photos. Yeah. Really nice. <laughs> Myself and Chachi. Uh, and what an amazing was, documentary. Well, yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, we're just saying myself and, and, and Chachi, my co-host, 
um, we're really excited uh, about the opportunity to interview because, you know, basically Tony Hawk was our childhood, you know, uh, growing up as a kid in the 80s and um, wanting to be the cool kid, uh, you know, in school and, and skate, you know. Uh, and Pal Peralta, Tony, you know, uh, Tony Hawk was a was a was a fixture. Um, were you equally as big a fan of his? Oh, uh, very much so. Yeah, I started yeah. skating uh, probably a year or two before he did. And uh, by the time I was going down to Del Mar, uh, you know, there was already talk of this young phenom who was tiny and was ripping. And so uh, it was always fun to catch a glimpse of him at the skate park and kind of see what he was doing. <laughs> But yeah, I was, uh, I came around in the first wave, you know, when I was seven or eight years old, everyone in my neighborhood got skateboards and, you know, pre precision bearings and pre, uh, urethane wheels, uh, you know, and so, uh, I got to sort of witness and be part of the progression to, you know, grip tape and, and Dogtown boards and building ramps and, you know, quarter pipes and then half pipes and, um, so it yeah it was my life uh, I just wasn't as talented as Tony but I was equally obsessed. Yeah, but who right. was you know? Yeah, <laughs> right. That's the thing about Tony is that he always seemed like the underdog, you know, back then. So it gave you somebody to root for, you know, because you were like yeah. you know felt you're the underdog too. And if Tony could do it, you couldn't do it as good as him. But you always felt like, well, if, if he can do it, I can do it maybe one one thousandth. One one thousand as good as him, but you still couldn't do right. it. <laughs> but yeah, very much so. And I identified, yeah. I think, with him because we were both sort of, uh, you know, I was I I grew really late and was a really skinny small kid, and skateboarding was something that, um, you know, that I was able to do and find confidence in that didn't require other people, like a team sport or something like that. So uh, when I when I started getting better at skateboarding, I actually started you know, feeling better about myself as a human being. And, uh, and I think Tony went through a very similar thing. All right. Well, uh, if you could, uh, Sam, tell us about the journey on, on getting this uh, uh, amazing documentary to fruition. Um, usually documentaries take uh, years uh, uh, as, as far as uh, planning and um, obtaining footage and um, filming the subjects. Uh, tell us about the process from start to finish. Okay. Yeah, I mean, this one's no exception. It took years. I, I first asked Tony about it in probably 2015 or 2016. And, uh, you know, it, the first the first part of any documentary is, you know, figuring out if you have the material and the story and the, you know, all of the pieces in place where you can even legally make the film. And, and you know, especially when it involves someone alive and someone who is... Uh, you know, who has their own sort of presence. So luckily with Tony, he, he is a very soulful and uh, I don't know any other way to put it, but he, he you know, he's a very old school person who uh, makes his partnerships and his business decisions based on trust. And we had a few conversations and I think he just decided that uh, based on my connection to skateboarding and my history and the other films I'd made that he liked, uh, he just thought that was going to be uh, the, you know, the, the best way to tell his story, which I was really grateful for, because I think that there's certainly someone that could have come in and offered a much flashier package or bigger money or, right. or something like that. But I, I think Tony wanted his story told, told right by someone who understood because skateboarding has a history of, you know, people who really love it and are into it, uh, we know 
you know, we've all been so disappointed by the way it's portrayed over the years in the media or by people who don't really understand it. And, and it's frustrating because when you love something and you see it not taken care of out there in the world, uh, you know, it's, it's like someone uh, gossiping about a family member. You know, you feel personally yeah. injured that, yeah. that they're not shepherding skateboarding in a way that, that uh, allows other people to find it and love it. And, and that was, I think, Tony's biggest concern. And so once, once we sort of were on the same page about that, uh, then it was a matter of finding financing. And uh, surprisingly enough, we we took it out and did not find financing immediately. And, um, you know, that process was quite lengthy, just, just going out and trying to find someone that was going to give us the money to make this thing. And eventually my partner, Mark Duplass, and I decided mm-hmm. that we were going to uh, make it ourselves because we didn't find a partner that made sense and that turned out to be the best decision because COVID hit and we were able to just do this thing um on our own uh schedule with you know in a very independent fashion without anybody else worrying about you know how it was going to happen during COVID or or uh you know any create any creative input into the interviews or anything like that and so it turned out to be the most amazing thing to be able to make this film in a bubble and actually completely finish it before we went out and look for someone to, uh, to buy it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's very rare that you get to take a film from, you know, from inception to completion uh, with this much creative control. And and I, you know, and Mark was a great partner because, you know, he put up some money, but he did not, he did not want to be involved in the creative at all. He trusted me and, wanted me to make it the way I wanted to make it. And so between the two of us putting up our own resources and Tony, that, that was sort of the whole team. And and Tony just stayed out of the way and just said, look, I'll be as honest as I can. And I'll, you know, I'll show up wherever you ask me to. And and beyond that, he didn't have any creative input, which was so refreshing. Yeah. So So, yeah, because it's a very honest film and there's, you know, it's not like you're putting Tony up on a pedestal. He's very candid about his struggles from over the years. So there wasn't any kind of talk, him saying like, well, there's certain stuff I don't want to talk about or that's off limits to um, to the documentary. Yeah. And I think that Tony's such a uh, public figure and a presence uh, in the media and social media that I think the assumption would be that uh, he might have a hand in it. But when you see it, you realize that's not the case. And that I was very concerned about that aspect of it and wanted to be very clear that, you know, it can't look like a promotional film for Tony and, Mm -hmm. and it has to be, uh, you know, a real film that examines all parts of his life. And, uh, and luckily he was courageous enough to do that and brave enough to be honest. And, uh, he never, that never changed throughout the whole process. He, he was just sort of in, in for a penny in for a pound, you know, that's pretty great. One thing I'm, I'm amazed by, uh, professional skateboarders are is longevity. As long as you, don't get too seriously injured. I mean, these guys are in their 50s now. And as you see my background, the the Animal Chin 30th uh, uh, anniversary, these guys are doing the same tricks they did in their 20s. Yeah, it's um, amazing. Yeah. What is what are your thoughts on how um, skateboarders, unlike any other sports, are are able to just uh, maintain their um, their skill set later in their you know mid mid 50s? Well. What's amazing about what you just said is the picture behind you is not the 30th 
reunion. It is the original. It's from the original oh, this one. Is the original one. Oh. <laughs> and it shows it's so incredible when you see that section yeah. of my film that that yeah. these guys are still able to do a lot of the tricks that were in that original video. And right. in fact, the picture behind you, they for people who can't see it's it's the four of them, Mike McGill, Steve Caballero, Lance Mountain and Tony Hawk. And they're doing four inverts on a, on the spine of the half pipe at the same time. Yeah. And they were able to recreate that exact same thing, which is shocking. And, and I think that it's a testament to those guys specifically that they've kept up their, not only their skills, but their love for skating and their friendship. And so uh, I think, I think they just have too much fun uh, doing it to quit. And, you know, everybody, everyone in their fifties, it's no joke, you know, staying fit and staying healthy and active is the only way that we're going to, you know, live, live, uh, you know, a, a decent life as we get older. And so, you know, people go to the gym, they go hiking, they go biking, right. whatever it is they do. Uh, these guys are doing the same thing. They're just having a lot more fun doing it than, than most people in their fifties. Yeah. Cause it's a hard decision when you're like a, you know, a football player, a, a, a wrestler, you know, a skateboarder even like to, like, when do you retire? When do you say like, this is too much for my body now? And like, and I, for me, that was kind of the whole point of the documentary. Like, you know, you're going to keep going to the wheels fall off, you know, like uh, when do you retire? You know, how much pain can you put your body through? Well, I think it's telling that, um, you know, the outside world asks those questions, but I don't think Tony ever asks that of himself. And I know that Mike McGill doesn't and Steve Cavallaro doesn't. I think that it, it's just a given that, you know, no matter no matter what comes up, they're going to do what they can do to keep doing what they're doing. You know, Steve Cavallaro broke his femur two and a half years ago. Tony broke his two and a half weeks ago, you know, a month ago. That's right. And, yeah. and yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, the first question for both of them was, you know, how do I do the physical therapy to get back and do what I love again? It's it's not when do we retire. I think yeah. retiring to me, retiring is quitting something that you never liked doing that much in the first place. You know, I think retiring yeah. is a word that accountants use and lawyers use. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, but when you love something, it's like, yeah, I'll retire when I'm dead. You know, or or till I literally can't do it. But I think these guys will find some form of it. You know, Mike and Steve and I not too long ago went to a pump track and, you know, skated that. And, uh, and you know, I still skate vert and and uh, but I was skating the pump track thinking I could do this in my 70s, you know, and it's wow. super fun. So, I, yeah, I, th I think these guys will find a version of doing what they love uh, forever. And, <laughs> you know, Tony's brother said to me, he, he said that Tony is probably going to be the first 80 year old to do a backside air. And I, you know, and I, <laughs> I believe him. I would love to see that in 30 yeah. years. I would love to see that. Um, I, I was curious on the challenges of um, mixing um, archival footage with the new footage and getting the, both the visual aspect and the audio aspect on the same level. Uh-huh. How was well, that accomplished? I, you know, the, the archival was challenging because we had to track it all down. And, and a lot of those things I remember through the years, you know, I used to buy those videos and they get, you know, not just the, not just the bones brigade videos, but all of the, um, yeah. the Don Hoffman, Brad Dorfman videos that Sims and, and, 
you know, there's a, I forget the name of it, but, um, uh, oh, it was Unreal Productions used to put out a lot of contest videos. So you could see Trashmore, you could see Arizona, you could see all these contests and, and, you know, we would pass around these VHS tapes. So I knew they all existed, but the challenge was finding the best preserved version of that footage and mm. digitizing it and tracking down old 16 millimeter and eight millimeter. Uh, and that, that became sort of some of those, some of those contests that we really wanted to illustrate, you know, mm. finding that footage became very important because, um, because it told our story best. And, and, you know, that, that was at times heartbreaking and at times incredibly exciting when we, we found an, an original master, and digitize it and find out what we had and you know like when we first found tony hawk's dad being interviewed uh in a 16 minute piece that had never been used for anything it was incredibly exciting oh, that's um, awesome. you know it, again tony's brother said to me uh, you know i haven't i haven't ever seen my dad speak on video before so for him it was oh, incredible wow. because back then you know it just people didn't have cameras if you, if you wanted to right, videotape yeah. a contest you had to have like a truck and a, and a whole rig and a, and a trained crew. And so we feel very lucky that we found as much as we found. Yeah, speaking of Tony's dad, I was really surprised because I didn't follow all this stuff as close as others, but um, just how integral Tony's dad was to making the sport of skateboarding legit. Yeah, incredibly integral. Uh, he not only started the NSA, before that, he started Castle, which was the California Amateur Skateboard League. And he, you know, he react, he recognized early on that all these parks were popping up and all these kids were skating and they wanted to compete and the individual park owners would sometimes have contests and they were a shambles and there was no, uh, there was no judging, uh, rules or regulations. There was no sort of organization. There was no sponsors. Uh, you know, the entry fees were, uh, if anything, they were, you know, cash in a box that day. And, probably used to buy beer that night. So, <laughs> you know, and Tony's dad was so, was so good at putting his kids' priorities first and realizing that the time you get with your kids is short. And he luckily had the, the wherewithal and the authority and the ability to, to say, Hey, this, this stuff needs to be organized. So I skated castle, um, and, you know, and there were trophies, there were medals, you had to sign up, you, you had your organized practice time, you had your, your runs, uh, and uh, the whole thing was completely the brainchild of, of you know, Tony's dad, also um, the Hoffmans, uh, Don Hoffman's parents uh, started the Upland Skate Park pipeline, and they, these parents just, they just saw that their kids loved this thing, and they they wanted to be involved. And if it wasn't for Frank and for Tony, you could, you could surmise that skateboarding would not have been in the X games or the Olympics ever, you know? Oh, and, 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 and like in the film, you know, Tony's dad took a lot of crap for it from a lot of kids who, you know, were just looking to find whoever the authority was and, mm -hmm. and rebel against them. them. But, yeah. but, you know, Tony's, Tony's father, he loved, Tony so much and and wanted to help him have a community that had some organization and saw Tony's skill. So uh, he, you know, he, he, there's there's no way to overestimate his his influence on skateboarding. 
Yeah, and like watching watching Tony back then, um, you know, as any kid would be, you know, teenage years, you want to be cool, you want to be independent. He, yeah. For me, it felt like he was kind of like, you know, I don't know, I don't want to say embarrassed, but, you know, like having your dad around, you know, when you're trying to do all this stuff. But, you know, it really was heartwarming to see now that you're older looking back on that kind of stuff. Like, he's really just there for his son, you know, wanting to do stuff and spend time with his son. So I thought that was pretty cool to see. Yeah, I have a 16-year-old daughter and uh, finding moments where we can spend time together, especially when our kids are that age, uh, it's challenging because rightfully so they should be finding their own independence and Mm -hmm. uh you know congregating with their peer group and being mad at their parents and thinking their parents are all dummies you know (laughs) but um but the memories they have will be with their family will be those those times and uh, you know i think frank hawk was was i don't know if he was strategic about it but he realized that that you know, doing this would allow him to spend time with his son. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I look for those opportunities with my kids the same way because the, the time is so short and then it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, yeah, you mentioned Tony, uh, being sprung into adulthood, uh, pretty much in, in high school years and, and buying a house, which I think is amazing. I'm, uh, I'm glad yeah. you showcased that, but you also showcased, uh, some of the, um, the darker times when, when skateboarding took a dip in the early nineties, um that that really uh, brought a lot of emotion um but uh-huh. i was also curious do you feel like skateboarding will not reach that dark time again that that dip that it's on the 90s due to it now being the olympics now being you know x games being very popular do you see skateboarding um pretty much uh flourishing well I, look no one has a crystal ball and and as stacy says skateboarding is cyclical but i i do think that um it's much harder to kill off now than it was back then because it's all over the world. It is, uh, it's so inclusive. You see as many women as, or girls and boys as boys at the skate park, you see, uh, you know, every, every race, gender, you just see this inclusive world and the, the price of entry is, is small. You know, you get a skateboard, you get some pads and you're good to go. You don't need a whole team. You don't need the organization. And and the thing that Tony has done throughout his career, which is so amazing, is that and this he learned from his father as well. But he is he has personally shepherded the the boom in uh, public skate parks that have shown up in every city around the world. And, and you know, his foundation has helped over 10,000 skate parks get started. And and that is something that it was unimaginable. You know, Del Mar and Upland were the last two parks and it was heartbreaking when, when they got shut down. And back then they were all owned privately. And, and, you know, I think people realized that yeah, number one, that the land they were on became more valuable. And, And number two, that the parks weren't made that great anyway. So, the kids weren't having as much fun as they as they would if the park was designed well. So you had all these parks close and uh, Fran, not many people know this, but the whole reason that Del Mar was the last surviving park was because Frank brokered a deal with the YMCA to provide the insurance oh, for wow. Del Mar Skate Park. And so, oh, wow. uh, or sorry, I'm sorry, not the YMCA, the Boy Scouts. Um, okay. He brokered the deal between the Boy Scouts which was an organization he was a part of to ensure 
the skate park. And the deal was everyone that signed up for a membership at Del Mar had to join the Boy Scouts. So the only reason <laughs> I was ever a Boy Scout was so I could skate Del Mar. And, and that kept the park open for an extra maybe two years because of his ingenuity and getting around a rule about insurance that, you know, the, the Boy Scouts carried this giant insurance policy, which we find out later, you know, they probably some probably some, you know, internal <laughs> internal yeah. uh, stuff that went on there. But um, but, you know, I, I do think and I know I'm being long winded about this, but I feel very passionately about it, that um, skateboarding has really in the time that Tony's been alive and and skating. Uh, it has turned from an outsider activity to an all-inclusive sport that's, yeah, it's on the Olympics. And uh, um, and I think that it's, uh, <laughs> I guess we can finally say it's here to stay. Uh, and it makes me really happy, you know. I got, well, I, 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 my kids can't even understand when I turned on the Olympics and I, I was so excited that they could see that and that it would be put up next to things like gymnastics or ice skating or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, we only, have a, uh, we only have a minute left for one more question. Um, Tony Hawk, uh, Tuxedo and All represented, I guess, the best documentary at the Oscars. Is is your film in contention for next year? Well, he was actually uh, presenting an award for uh, the James Bond movie series, sort of a Lifetime Achievement Award for right. that series. Okay, uh, right. My, my film, uh, I think... Uh, it's not eligible for an Oscar because it, it wasn't in theaters. It went straight to HBO. Wow. And I think it's eligible uh, to be nominated for an Emmy. However, yeah. I, I, I do think that documentaries that are this kind of, uh, I don't know, fun and, and about things like skateboarding may, <laughs> may not be taken as seriously as some documentaries about rescuing kids in a cave and, uh, you know, you know, in across the country. And, and uh, so, I, you know, for me, the fact that it's out there and people can find it on HBO and see it, that is bigger than my wildest dreams, you know, to make a film that could be seen by this many people. Awesome. Uh, and yes, if it got awards, that'd be great. But uh, I'm, I'm so happy with the whole experience. Awesome. Well, wow. We thank you so much. And really quick, you, you recently did an episode of Ted Lasso as a yeah. director. Yeah. Oh, very cool. How's that experience? That was great. I mean, it, it was my first sort of, out in the world work experience post COVID, I had just gotten vaccinated yeah. and uh, flew over to London. And, and uh, I didn't even care that I had to wear a mask 12 hours a day to, just to be around other creative people. And, and on a show that I was a genuine fan of, uh, yeah, it was it was show. a fantastic experience. Um, yeah, I loved it. And if I could sneak one more, have you thought about? Of your course, next I, I'm okay for. I'm okay for <laughs> a few more minutes. Have, have oh, you, you, okay. Have you thought about your next documentary feature and what what subject you'd like to tackle? Yeah, I mean, I have a I have a few that um, I'm working on right now. Uh, one that I'm working on is about the podcast Smartless, and it's Smartless is a podcast hosted by Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and Sean Hayes, uh, and we made a verite uh, documentary about about uh, a tour that they recently did, and it was an incredibly different kind of film for me and uh we're in the middle of editing it right now and it's it's pretty fun oh that's dope well, yeah yeah, uh, yeah. Sachi, you have a closing uh, question yeah yeah if somebody wanted to um such an awesome story on this whole tony hawk documentary if somebody wanted to create a scripted um movie based on his life would you want to be involved in that oh that's a good question uh you know i've i think that we've 
mostly seen the bad version of that scenario, right? I, I was not particularly a fan of Lords of Dogtown because I thought Dogtown and Z-Boys was such an authentic portrait of that time in skateboarding. Um, and I suppose the answer is I would want to do everything I could if if that was going to be made to it being made right. And and uh, yeah, I just I just couldn't say how that would even look. I think that our film has so much of the qualities of a narrative feature anyway, with with all of the sort of uh, anticipation and, and yeah. thrills in, in it that oh, yeah. I, I don't know exactly how that would work. But uh, but yeah, yeah it, I, I, 900 was so um, was so thrilling to see. No, that yeah, isn't it funny and, and like, that the 900 footage is so fascinating to watch when you when you watch it in real time. Oh, we had such fun cutting that part of the film. That's amazing! Wow, thank you so much, Sam Jones. This is incredible. Oh, my uh, pleasure, guys, for being here uh, on Below the Belt show, which is going to be featured on this week's podcast. So, if you could uh, do a promo, let us know who you are. Throw out a plug for Tony Hawk's Until the Wheels Falls Off, and let us know you're on Below the Belt show. Sure. Hey, I'm Sam Jones. I'm here on Below the Belt, and I made the film Tony Hawk Until the Wheels Fall Off, which you can find right now on HBO Max. Yes. Awesome. 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 Let's do a little snapshot. Okay. Here we go. Yeah. Count three. Count three. One, two, three. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for thanks for doing the story justice, and you know, for all yes. of us, you know old skateboard fans you know as a kid oh, yeah. and even now that you you know came along and you just did right by all of us oh i appreciate that yeah, it was fantastic. it was truly my pleasure to make this film so i'm glad you guys liked it yeah we, we awesome. loved it thank you so much all right thank uh, you have a good day sam take care guys bye-bye thank Bye. you sierra thank you sierra well it has been a ill show tonight and i think we have all learned some valuable lessons this is your bot for the bad boys of baltimore saying until next time, keep chilling like a villain. Bye, goodbye, 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 goodbye.